2: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's
0: your host, Michael Ball. This is crazy. I haven't done a show in this corner studio at the corner of 12th and Rose Century Studio since I last did a broadcast on The Wolf. Which was almost two years ago. Like, this is my second year's Voice of the Riders. I haven't done a show up here. It was in June of whatever it was, almost two years ago that I was up here. So I'm up here with Blaine Weiland. You like being up here? Uh, I remember here last year. Were we here? I think. I don't remember being here. At the end of the last seat, like, this time last year I think we were here yeah you looked puzzled when I said that you know what the days fly by I don't (laughs) the last okay the last time I remember being here was my 25th Anniversary and last show on the Wolf. It just proves I've been here a long time. This show is brought to you by Saskatchewan lotteries the main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, and you can text us at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. I am Michael Ball, along with my good friend Blaine Wyland. My last time here. Maybe that's why they put us up here because I'm done after today till the twentieth of November. I am cashing out I got they're making me use days I've got so many days to use they're making me use days so I'm gonna go watch some uh North Dakota Fighting Hawks football there and in South Dakota can't wait for it but uh, Blaine let's get to this next here if we can sports cage shareholders this is what you need to know uh, let's get to it texas rangers beat the arizona diamondbacks 3-1 in game three of the world series and you can pull up my audio there blaine here's uh here's how it sounded with uh, Corey cory seager
3: cory seager smashes a ball down the line Goodbye, three to nothing texas Second of the World Series for Corey Seager. And boy, his home runs get out in a hurry.
0: Yes, it did get out in a hurry for Corey Seager. His fifth home run of the postseason. And the Texas Rangers are up two games to one on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they came... uh, They won that game. They're unbelievably ninth straight game on the road in the playoffs. They're 9-0, which is unheard of. Max Scherzer left with back tightness, and Adelise Garcia left with an injury issue of his own in the eighth inning after appearing to hurt his side on a swing. But uh, yeah, the Rangers going after their first ever title, looking pretty good, getting back home field advantage in the world series. Okay, this happened on Monday Night Football last night.
4: Dan Skipper comes in at left guard as they hand
5: to Gibbs,
0: and Gibbs breaks it.
5: Touchdown, what a night for the rookie. Lions almost 500
4: yards of offense, and the defense came away with six sacks.
0: Yeah, the Detroit Lions look good, man. They're 6-2. and That's That's a solid football team. I would put, even though they've lost three, the 49ers in the mix, obviously, uh, I don't buy the Seahawks yet. I mean they're good, but we'll see. And then of course the Eagles and uh those guys the Detroit Lions. Those will be the f- those are the top 4. And those those Lions are winning that division this year and for some years to come. By the way, for Gibbs, 152 yards and a touchdown. That one you heard from Joe Buck in Monday Night Football. 26 carries. Uh, he also had five passes for 37 yards. This is how brutal the Lions are. He becomes the first Lions running back to rush for over 100 and have at least 30 yards receiving in a game since Barry Sanders did it way back in 1989. He is, uh, or he was in the building for that game. 26-14 Lions over the Raiders. Hey, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo, horrible. Like, in the, in the fourth quarter, he had 62 yards passing. He missed the, Devontae Adams wide open down the sidelines. Adams came off, almost broke his helmet on the bench. We'll get into the uh, trade deadline stuff now. And our friend uh, Blaine wyland has got to be pretty happy because the 49ers have acquired Chase Young, former Rookie of the Year in 2020, from the Washington Commanders. And... Uh, the Commanders get a 2024 third round pick. Elsewhere, Lions get receiver Devontae Peoples Jones. He's a returner and a receiver from Cleveland. Cleveland gets a 2025 sixth round pick. Buffalo gets cornerback Rasul Douglas and a 2024 fifth round draft pick from Green Bay. Green Bay gets a 2024 third rounder. The Jags reinforce their O-line before the playoff push. Ezra Cleveland, offensive lineman, comes to the 6-2 and two Jags. Minnesota gets a 2024 four, sixth round conditional draft pick. There was some talk that Tom Brady might be lured out of retirement to come to the four and four Vikings because his mom's from Minnesota was the rumor. But instead, Josh Dobbs and a Late-round 2024 pick going to Minnesota. Arizona gets a 2024 uh, sixth-round draft pick. Hopefully, the Minnesota team store, you can get Josh Dobbs' jersey because he couldn't get it in Arizona. <laughs> that was hilarious, man. So there you go. And you guys were about to pick up a defensive back, right? But the Giants can't work a fax machine? I don't know what if it's a fax
1: machine, but apparently the Niners had a deal worked up for Dory Jackson, former first-round oh, yeah, pick. Oh, yeah, DB. Yeah, it had... Slumping a little bit this year with the Giants, but apparently they said that, because uh, I seen on my Twitter uh, X timeline, Niners have a deal on the works, Niners have a deal on the works, but it turned out all for naught because the Giants couldn't, uh, sent in the deal on time, apparently
0: that's what it was. Closed the deal. Hey, Connor Bedard, let's check this out. Here's Bedard last night in the desert. Uh, Come on, Connor. Korczynski for Chicago. Set it across and a goal. And it's Connor Bedard. And we're 28 seconds in. Oh, what a shot. It's 1-0 Blackhawks. Has talked about it. His shot, his ability
6: to get open and find open ice. And look at how quick he gets rid of that puck. It's on and off the stick.
0: I want to say that's his third goal of the season. Maybe his fourth. Anyway, uh, they were rolling early, the Blackhawks. they got smoked by the Coyotes 8-1. Blake Wheeler made his return to Winnipeg after being bought out by the Jets the former captain and the Rangers rallied from 2-1 down to win in overtime.
1: Overtime here on Saturday for the Rangers he's out there now. Panarin moving driving
0: Mika Zibanejad has scored a two straight, and that's the overtime winner. Yeah, so the Rangers have won five straight games. They win in overtime, and the birthday boy turning 32, Artemi Panarin, had a goal and two assists in that game for the Rangers. Um, in the SJHL, uh, by the way, we should mention the Knights topped the Habs on the strip, 3-2 in the shootout. SJHL nip wins in Kindersley in the lone NHL game tonight in the National Hockey League. As we go back there, there are two games: the Vancouver Canucks home to the Nashville Predators. Canucks off to a surprising nice start, and the other game has the Los Angeles Kings in Toronto to take on the Maple Leaf. CFL News. Bombers have added veteran receiver Markeith Ambles to the practice roster over his 50 regular season games. Ambles has recorded 204 grabs for 2,329 yards and 12 touchdowns. A two-time Grey Cup champ, including last season with the Argos. Uh, he had 72 catches for uh, 737 yards and five touchdowns. This is interesting. The Philadelphia 76ers, I think they got better. They maybe don't have the star power, but no drama. And they got some guys that are some pretty good pieces. They've traded the scrundled guard, James Harden, to the Clippers. The Sixers are acquiring Marcus Morris, Nick Badham, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, multiple draft picks like first-round picks and a pick swap for Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrasev. Now, the Clippers, they just got weirder, didn't they? They got Kawhi Leonard, they got Paul George. And I think both those guys can leave in free agency after this year. They got James Harden now, along with Russell Westbrook. And if you remember briefly, Westbrook and Harden played together in Houston, and it was such a great marriage that they both demanded a trade. And now they're in L.A. with the Clippers. Okay. And um, we didn't mention this on Monday because it happened on Saturday, but um, got our production staff to put something together here. So Matthew Perry... I mean, him passing away the Ottawa native is sad. Not, not obviously just because he died and was cleaning up his, his life, but it's part of your youth when you think about it. Before streaming, there was only one place in time to watch Friends. 8 p.m. on Thursday nights. Never missed an episode. Uh, it's, it's so different now with everything being on demand. Shows like Friends you actually grew up with. Think about how much stuff you went through in the milestones while it was on from 94 to 2004. Did you watch Friends? Were you a Friends guy? I like Friends.
1: I watched the other ones I kind of tailed off at the end. But yeah. I watched them. Yeah. I,
0: it's one of those shows I haven't watched since it first ran, though, really. No, I haven't either, but you can binge watch any show you want now, right, yeah. with streaming. Uh, and it's you know it's not appointment viewing like that was. Anyway, reason I bring this up, <clears throat> Matthew Perry has a tie to CKRM. You'll say, what? No, it's true. Keith Morrison, the outstanding journalist, started in Canada, worked at CTV, went to NBC. Uh, Keith Morrison started here at CKRM in the 60s, and that's his stepdad, Matthew Perry, tied into CKRM. Um, we'll go to break uh, with this.
6: Althea! Althea! What are you doing? I took a shot. You're shooting with Althea? Althea is correct. they shooting! <laughs>
7: Told you life was gonna be this way. Well, I brought the next best thing.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>.
7: <laughs> Chandler, you brought Chandler? The next best thing would be Monica.
8: <laughs> you know, I would be offended, but it's Monica like is freakishly
7: you strong. You stuck in second key.
6: for you when the rain starts to pour I'll be there for you like I've been there before I'll be there for you cause you're
7: there for me too I'm afraid the TV guide comes to Chanandler Bob actually it's Miss
9: Chanandler
6: Bob I'm wearing everything you want. Oh my gosh! Look at me! I'm Chandler! Could I be wearing any more? Clothes.
2: Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the
0: Mighty 620 CKRM. Coming up here after 330, once we have Cougars in the Cage, which is Braden Wag Rams in the Cage, wrapping up his your career with the U of R Rams crazy. We're going to hear from another former Ram, Mark Mueller, assistant coach on the offensive side for the Calgary Stampeders, getting set for their playoff game against the BC Lions. By the way, just so you know, no questions about coaching. He's not. He doesn't want to talk about if he's interested in coming to Saskatchewan, he just wants to focus on the task at hand. And I totally understand that. We'll also hear from Reese Kack, who had six quarterback sacks, a CJFL playoff record. You can get a hold of us, 936-6262. Uh, all right, let's get to some uh, Halloween shenanigans if we can there, uh, Blaine. Hit the bed there, man. There you go. A lot of spooky stuff happening. Remember to slow down in your neighborhood tonight. It is Halloween. Um, if someone surprised or scared you enough today that you screamed, might actually be a healthy boost. In a new survey, more than half of North Americans say they believe screaming positively affects their health. And more than half of millennials say the louder they scream, the better they feel afterward. Older adults don't necessarily agree with that, with most saying they don't like screaming loudly. I'm right in the middle. I love screaming. Uh, people take me the wrong way sometimes. Despite the relief, only 10% of people say they scream at least once a week. Women are more likely to scream out of fear. Men more likely to scream out of anger or pain. And there is some science, believe it or not, behind screaming being healthy. Psychiatrists saying that screaming can release positive chemicals in your brain, and it can have a cathartic effect that reduces stress. But other experts say little evidence, so it's, I guess, whatever you decide. I do like going out in the backyard just screaming sometimes. Neighbors all run around. I usually do it once a week. Uh... Here's what I wanted to ask you going around. Make sure you check the kids' treats. It's funny. Don't talk to strangers. Don't take candies from strangers. And today we go out and tell them, go get the candies from strangers. So make sure you check the bags before they dive into them. Um, What unusual things have you found in your candy bag when you were a kid or your kids? I'm not kidding you. I found, you know, it's dark. You're in a neighborhood. I found, I got home and found two. They were frozen but by the time, it was one of the rare nights on Halloween in Saskatchewan when it wasn't so um, cold, I had two hot dogs that were thawing out in my bag. Somebody threw hot dogs. I'm serious, Blaine. That, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Halloweeny. Halloweeny apples. Uh, how about this? Um, somebody did hand out in Glencairn dental floss. I got dental floss once too, man. Um, my girlfriend actually wants me to hand out granola bars tinyu you 're not getting granola. I said no, no, anyway, what else, what have you found in your bag growing up or your kid 's bag uh, it 's kind of kind of weird blaine what 's the best Halloween costume? you Remember wearing either as a kid or a young adult?
1: Uh, when I was a kid, I remember wearing a sweet devil costume. I remember when I was in kindergarten mm. and we had like leaders of the day, and that was the day I was the leader. Okay. So we went around the whole school with like a parade. Yeah. And I was in front line and I had a big, nice devil suit with a nice waggy tail with a yeah. pitchfork, yeah. painted face, and everything. I, I did that a couple of times with the devil. I really like that
0: one. You're 1984. Three eighty-four, baby? 84. 84, baby. So you're coming up on 40. So check this out. In 1981, when I was nine years old, I'm giving my age away, it was actually Halloween night, and the riders were playing the British Columbia Lions at Empire Stadium. And the riders win, they get into the playoffs. And it was rainy, and it was cold here, a little bit of snow on the ground, and it was pouring rain in Vancouver. And everywhere I went, I asked what the score was. I was more concerned about that, Blaine. I, you know what I dressed up as that that year? Because the Riders were finally good? Because you have to remember, I was watching two and 14 teams. I dressed up as number two Greg Fieger. <laughs> I was Greg Fieger of the Saskatchewan. Greg Fieger barely dressed up like Greg Fieger. I dressed up as Greg Fieger. I didn't have a helmet, but I had a rider, old Rider jersey. Number two, Greg Fieger. Would have been the first Rider jersey I ever had. And we didn't have a store then. You went to like... Woolco and got whatever or like if Canadian Tire happened to have a jersey. It wasn't like any where you'd go to the store and have your have your pick. The other one I remember dressing up as is as a young adult speaking to the wolf. There was a doctor over at the in there was a doctor in Edmonton, actually, and I had a friend who was like a, a nurse at the general hospital, and his doctor friend was, I think, Pakistani, and his name was Balls, Dr. Balsey, B-A-H-L-Z-E-E, and he was a gynecologist. I got his scrubs and said, Dr. Balsey. and at the Wolf Halloween Howl, I set up a booth. <laughs> Nobody came by. I know you're shocked. Nobody, nobody came, nobody came by.
6: There they are, on porches and doorsteps, ceramic, foam plastic, and rubber-made jack-o-lanterns made from durable polyresins with light bulbs on the inside. Introducing real pumpkins. That's right, get your kids the real deal. Hand them super sharp carving knives with serrated edges, cut off the top, and scoop out the slimy pumpkin seed guts on newspaper on your kitchen table. Pumpkin rind under your fingernails, slicing out primitive triangle eyes, and lit with a real candle that burns the hole in the lid. Then the whole thing gets moldy and decomposes before Halloween. Real Jack-O-Lanterns, brought to you by tradition and brought to you by people who still hand out apples to trick-or-treaters.
0: Time now for your sports ticker, Texas Rangers, after their first ever World Series championship, won last night at Chase Field in Phoenix 3-1. They're going after a commanding 3-1 series lead tonight. Same ballpark and uh, pitched just after, I believe, 6 o'clock our time. NHL, two games right around that time. Leafs start on home ice against the Los Angeles Kings. And later tonight at uh, Rogers Arena, I think it's called. I forget. Vancouver. It's been so many things. It's been GM Place. Rogers Arena, I think, in Vancouver. Across the street from BC Place, the Vancouver Canucks host the Nashville Predators. And that's your sports ticker.
2: Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Time now for Cougars in the Cage. A weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. <laughs>
0: Cougars in the Cage, which is brought to you by Freeze Tallman since 1956. Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. But we're going Cougars in the Cage and substituting it for Rams in the Cage. And this would be Braden Wag, longtime Regina Ram. Eight years, buddy. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How the heck did you go eight years with the Rams?
10: Uh, so I... I uh, used two red shirts so I had one red shirt when I switched positions and then I did a medical red shirt after uh, an ACL injury in 2018. I missed the 2019 season and then covid obviously canceled one of our years giving me an extra year so i managed to squeeze eight years out of the program
0: so you were a quarterback all your life through rmf and then with campbell i remember that and then you went to the rams and the old coach mike gibson uh wanted you to go to running back and then you flipped to defense and you you worked your way out
10: uh, from corner inside right that's right i uh gave running back a shot that first year i start i burned eligibility actually right away so i played some uh, backup special teams and some running back there. And then uh, just at the end of the season, my defensive coordinator, Sheldon Gray, and uh, coach Mark McConkey mentioned uh, a potential to switch to defense and go and compete in the defensive backfield. So I took a year to redshirt, uh, learned the ins and outs of defense, Coach Gray's scheme. And then uh, from there, I just played a little bit of corners. The next year, I moved to halfback. And uh, as I got a little more comfortable, I got close enough to the box where I was the Sam linebacker the last, I believe, four years. So uh, what are you going to do without football now, man? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm still just kind of processing this last weekend. It was bittersweet having it come to an end. So uh, I have five more classes left, so I'll get through this semester. Uh, I'll finish off my classes in the spring. And then in my program, I have a work placement where I'll have to go do an internship for 8 to 12 months. So my next goal will be finishing school. Uh, If I happen to get some kind of regional combine invite, uh, I'd be willing to explore that. But for now, uh, I'm just going to see what life has to offer and finish school for now.
0: So uh, what are you taking in school, Brayden?
10: It's a joint program, uh, business and sport management, uh, both bachelor degrees. So I'll get two two bachelor degrees at the end of it. So you want to, what, get into the sports side of business, the business side of sports, sorry? Uh, Yeah, potentially. Uh, Just when i originally joined school i wasn't too sure what i actually wanted to do so i spent the first couple of years bouncing around programs and then I, once i realized i was uh, kind of in the ranch for the long haul i found this it was a pretty new program uh, i was interested in business and then obviously just sport management super enticing for someone that's involved in sports so uh, with this program i'll actually get to do an internship uh, where i have to do the all the work to find the team to take me on but i can go work for a team and kind of be in the operations uh game day side of it and see if that's something i like and if it's not uh then i can use the business side of my degree and if that is something i'm interested in i can keep pursuing it and uh do that
0: is there a play or a game you're going to remember in these last eight years
10: um there's a lot of great memories man but uh this year specifically uh mark mcconkey i can remember him calling me into his office uh calgary week and uh t- just telling me the injury situation of the quarterback and i've been bugging him my whole time i was like man you, you need a quarterback like I can-, I can do short yardage that's easy stuff for me it's- I'm comfortable doing it and i finally got him to give me the opportunity and uh i was able to score twice in that game and we ended up winning the game so that's something i always remember but uh i don't know if there's one specific game there's plays there's moments but uh that's definitely going to be one that sticks out for a long time
0: Did you save a ball a glove a jersey from your time or from that game
10: uh yeah i do have a not an actual game ball but a ball my equipment manager gave me and kind of just taped it up and said uh first e-sport touchdowns multi touchdown game and first time i mean playing quarterback at a e-sports level
0: <laughs> that's kind of funny how funny i don't mean haha funny but uh ironic how it went uh, full circle for you
10: yeah, it really is, man. And then uh, just, I think, I don't know if it was the week week after or two weeks after, but I was able to throw a touchdown pass to our big tight end, Ethan Graham. And uh, that was pretty exciting, too. Uh, I knew if I offered up the short yardage, I'd maybe get a rushing one. Didn't think they'd let me throw one, but that was pretty exciting, too.
0: So uh, eight years, didn't win a championship. It is bittersweet. But uh, what's the thing you're going to miss most?
10: Uh, the fellas, man. Like I, I love the coaches. I love the team but uh, I've met lifelong friends on this team that I will keep in touch with and have a bond with for as long as I live, man. I met some of my best friends on this team and uh, I'll always take that with me.
0: You got to have a great support system on the way up. How about a shout out for your parents?
10: Yeah, definitely, man. Shout out my mom and dad, uh, Darwin and Tannis. They've been an absolute rock through this whole thing. Uh, They kept me up when I got injured and I didn't know what my future held in football. They always believed in me. That never wavered. And, uh, Auntie, shout out my brother too. He's been incredible for me. He's been basically my roommate my whole life, and uh, it's been awesome for me. And then you mixed in my fantastic girlfriend. The last four years, I've been really blessed, and it's been uh, I've been really lucky. Awesome, man. Well, it's great
0: talking to you, Sean Kleisinger, the voice of your team this year. Told me you're a you're an awesome dude, and he you lived up to the billing, man. So congratulations on a great te- not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but eight year career with the U of R Rams.
10: Eight years, baby. I'm proud of it, and I'm a horn for life, man. I wear that with honor. And Shadow Kleist, man. He's a great guy, too. Thank you.
2: It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Cage, into the second half an hour of the show. It's brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Getting ready for semifinals Saturday in the Canadian Football League. Now, before we bring on our next uh, next guest, I'm going to retake this. Riders don't have a head coach. You know I've been promoting this guy for... A head coaching position with the Rough Riders, but we aren't talking about that today. He is locked in on the playoffs, so he's not talking about any of that stuff. He is Sheldon Williams Spartan grad, Regina Ram grad, had a cup of coffee with the Edmonton football team, and now the Calgary Stampede since 2014. He's the grizzled veteran coach, Mark Mueller. Time flies, doesn't it, Mules?
8: It sure ditcher has Been here for... Uh... For 10 years, and it feels like just yesterday you you were uh, commenting on how poor my running ability was as a Ram quarterback, so it sure does, (laughs) I'm
0: sure that's why. Yeah, has the running, I don't imagine the running ability's gotten any better.
8: Somehow worse, which you wouldn't have thought at that point either was even possible, but it's somehow worse, yeah.
0: Uh, So uh, Mark, what have you learned about yourself this year as a coach, in what's been a trying year, let's be honest, we're not used to seeing Calgary 6 and 12, what have you learned personally yourself?
8: I think, you know, personally, you, you, uh, you look inward lots. You know, how can I be better? How can I help the players, you know, get the best out of them? Am I doing enough? And I think everyone looks that way, and I think we've had a really good group of guys in the entire organization and, and, uh, that have came to work every single day and treated that day as the most important day of, of the season, the one that we're currently in. And I think that, uh, you know, the guys have, have worked extremely hard and uh, as a coach, you understand the urgency of not only football, but your own career and the, the playing career. You know, playing careers aren't very long. So you want to make sure that you're doing your best to put the players uh, in their very short, possible, you know, you know, average careers that they have get the most out of every day as well. So, you know, I think I've learned that, uh, you know, you just got to just keep working hard. You keep working hard and then, you know, that, you reap what you sow type thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've, you know, we got in and hopefully, you know, we have a, have our best team of the year on Saturday.
0: Is this uh, is this record six and twelve a bit of a mirage as it relates to the Stampeders?
8: Well, you know, I'm not sure. I think you know the the old adage is you are what, what your record is. But I you know I feel like we've been in basically every single game. Uh, I think the guys have played hard, and you know, sometimes the ball just bounces a bit different at the end of the game, and that could be the difference of being say you know nine and nine or six and twelve. So you know, it all that matters right now is that we were one of the sixteen that got into to the playoffs, and. As we know in the CFL, especially the CFL, you know, it's crazy. Anything can happen. Uh, You only need just a one-game playoff, and you put the effort in every single day, you know, today and tomorrow and Thursday and Friday, and you hope that Saturday is, uh, you know, your best day of that week.
0: So, uh, Mark... It was a bit of a turtle race to the playoffs. It looked like the Riders, I mean, they had, they were in the pole position but just couldn't secure it. You, you beat them there, which was a, a, a big win. You went into BC and smashed uh, smashed the lines. We'll get into that in a second. But how, how did you guys keep it together in that locker room? You had, like, I think, 18 guys in the injured reserve. How did you keep the belief going there in that locker room? Coaches, players, the combination of both? You
8: know, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I mean, guys... Uh, are you know they genuinely like being around each other. You know there's a, you know good leadership group here, guys that you know uh, understand where, you know what it what it takes to win and the work ethic. You know we got great examples of those couple guys I deal with all the time, like a Reggie Bagelson or Mark and Michelle that just show up every single day and they work hard every single day. And when those are two of your best players, better players, you know offensively here, and uh, when those guys you know do the things every day, then best guys kind of you know everybody here you know you know is good examples to follow. So I think that the guys worked hard, you know, we have uh, just took every day as if it was its own day, and then and, and kept working, and I think that, uh, you know, we just keep working this week, you know, we got three, four more days to continue to get better to put our best foot forward Saturday
0: afternoon in BC. Hey, uh, do me a favor, can you please assess Jake Mayer's play for me this year?
8: Yeah, no, I think, you know, Jake's stepping up, is, uh, you know, he's had some, you know, up and down times, but I think he's played well, and he's played tough, and and I think that his, uh, his best games are, you know, hopefully ahead of him this year, and you know he's uh you know Jake has been I, I really enjoyed working with Jake. It's our third year together. Uh, awesome guy in the quarterback room. Uh, really good guy. To, you know, talk back and forth with. You know every year is it, different uh, for your room. You know whether it was 2021 or this year. You know it's different. He's a group of guys guys are different each year as well. And uh, you know, I think Jake has you know has lots of room to grow. And I think that Jake he would uh, also uh you know he, he does a lot of great really good things for us. You know he's level headed. Uh, you always you know he Paul tall delivers the ball. I think that. Uh, you know, Jake's been you know progressing, and I think he you know, hopefully, like all of us, have our best showing Saturday afternoon.
0: So uh, explain to me how this uh, Paradis thing works. Like he goes, he fights fires during the week, and just shows up and boots field goals and a consistent. Ba- I picked him as the all-star kicker. Like this guy, he's the fireman, but then he uh, then he uh, lights it up on the field too.
8: I know, I know, he's got to be the best dual fireman football player since Len antonini with Regina rams in 1981 <laughs> but uh i think you know renee is just it's amazing you know he's, he still does it you know he, he kicks off he's here he works hard and then you know he, he is also fighting fires in the off, off time when he's not when he's not a mcmahon so you know he's been a great stampeter you know he helps us out during the walkthroughs every day so when i was doing the cards over there for a lot of my offensive career i dealt with i was hanging out with renee or he dealt with me and uh there's another guy that's just a great teammate and understands what it, what it takes.
0: All right. Uh, so you got the BC Lions coming up here. How much can you draw on the fact, like, I think the BC Lions, I'm not taking anything away from what you guys did in, in BC, but when I watched, they kind of played flag football that game. They didn't want to get hurt, so I kind of, whatever. But I noticed something with you guys. Seemed like you dedicated yourself to the run game. Do you think that's the key to beating these guys uh, in BC on Saturday?
8: Well, I think, you know, uh, anytime you play in the playoffs, whether it's indoors or outdoors, it, you know, it starts at the line of scrimmage. And if you can control the line of scrimmage, you can control the ball, and you can control, you can control the ball and you can control the clock. So, you know, it, I don't think whatever game it is, whether you're going to drop back and throw it 50 times or you're going to come back and, you know, uh, run it 35, 40 times, it starts with, are we, you know, playing more physical than the other team? And You know, that's also a pass game and that's in run game and that's in every part, you know, football is a physical game. And I think that... uh on Saturday, you know, BC is an incredibly talented football team. They got a great record for a reason. And, you know, we got to make sure that we're rising to the challenge of uh, the big challenge of Saturday.
0: What kind of uh, challenges do their de- does their defense pose for you guys?
8: I mean, their defense, you know, you, you read all the headlines and everything, and, you know, they're true. They got really good cover guys. They got good linebackers that can that can run and then tackle, and they got a D line that gets off the ball. You know, uh, Matthew Betts has had one of the best years. and, in recent memory, for any any type of uh, defensive lineman, let alone you know a uh, Canadian as well, so it's not he's in the headlines because he's a good football player, not because of his nationality. So, I think uh, whoever's out there they, they they perform. You know, Ryan Phillips, the defense coordinator, does a really good job preparing his guys, and uh, you know they play fast and they play physical, and it's just trying to you know, match that and then and, and surpass that you know, on Saturday.
0: Best Halloween costume you've ever worn, Mark Mueller?
8: Um, yeah, I think. I was Fred Flintstone for like four or five years in a row. Uh, it's, it's actually my father, Larry's costume. And then even like Steve Hansen, uh, Regina Ramlore might have it now. I'm not certain where the costume is, but Larry always complains that I lose everything with, of his, which is probably correct. That or I was Batman for a couple of years in a row as a kid. And I think I might have even went as Batman to an Edmonton Oilers game in like 1994 uh, when, I, when my grandpa was head coach in Edmonton. I, I dressed as Batman. You, and I just didn't understand why no one else was dressed up at the other
0: game. You can't beat me uh, because I dressed up as Greg Fieger once, in, like Greg Fieger the rider. <laughs> like Greg, yeah. Greg yeah. Fieger barely dressed up like Greg Fieger for games, and I dressed up like him in 1981. And then I got a costume, or not a costume, I got actual doctor scrubs from a Dr. Ballsy in Edmonton, B-A-H-L-Z-E-E, and he was a gynecologist. And I set up a booth at a Wolf howl once.
8: That's spectacular. I don't know if you could pull off figure. He's got the big guns. I've seen the the pipe cleaners you got rocking.
0: There. Oh come I'm not on, sure Pull off
8: Fieger that
9: well.
0: I talk so well about you, and you just bust my chops. <laughs> hey man. By the way, do you hand out treats, or does your lovely wife hand out treats, or do you take the kids around tonight?
8: Oh, a little bit of both. I'll be getting out of here a little later, so but hopefully I'll be able to uh, to go out with. Uh, it's my son Wallace's first birthday. He's the Halloween baby, so it's his birthday, and then oh, uh, nice Sawyer. Yeah, Sawyer. will I think you know she's dressing up as a witch. She's pretty excited, so I'll I'll get out there at about maybe six or seven with them, and then we I think we're we might just leave a bowl on the uh, on the uh, the front desk or the front door until my until my wife gets back with little Wally, man.
0: Nice man. Well, take care. Have fun tonight, and best of luck in BC on Saturday. Hey, thanks, Wally. Appreciate it. Take care. That's Mark Mueller, uh, quarterbacks coach for the Calgary Stampeders. We'll be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on six twenty CKRM.
2: No bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: All right, we're talking now to a CJFL record holder, Reese Kack. He is with the Saskatoon Hilltops. My friend, six quarterback sacks in a game, a playoff record as you guys rolled the St. Clair Saints. What went right in that game for you?
11: You know, just... uh... I, I think there was just perfect conditions uh for me. That that uh on Sunday, uh of course my uh defensive backs and linebackers had some great coverage. Um the uh the other interior defensive linemen, Craig Torgerson, John Stevens had some tremendous pressure and uh Ben Mars, the other the other end were uh all big parts of uh, my success.
0: So did you uh <clears throat> you keep stats in your head like are you into stats did you know that yeah had that many sacks in the game and that was a record?
11: Uh no, I I I uh I I knew when I heard them on the the loudspeaker when I got 5 and I I tied the old record. Um and then I heard that and then I looked at the 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 play clock and uh realized that uh, it was quite possible to uh to go out there and actually break the the darn thing.
0: Yeah. So you're in your third year, fourth year of eligibility. Uh just talk about this season. You guys are undefeated. You knocked off those pesky Regina Thunder to regain regain the uh, PFC crown and now you're rolling. Just talk about your year.
11: Yeah, it's been tremendous. Um I know uh you know this this point last year we we lost to uh, Regina and there was a lot of question marks going into this season about the type of team we were gonna be, and, uh, yeah, we've just had some great leadership step up, and lots of guys lead us lead us towards this this season. so, yeah, it's been it's been great, but uh, there's one more one more task left, and that's the Canadian Bowl. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. So talk about that. It's a, actually a rematch, I think, of the 2016 Canadian Bowl, which you wouldn't have been a part of, but the Hilltops did win that one back in the day. Uh, what do you know about the West Shore Rebels, and how excited are you to go play maybe in a warmer climate?
11: Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be a good vacation, getting out of the uh, out of the cold. But um, yeah, uh, I, I've been looking. They they've They've had a fair share. I think their quarterback broke a touchdown record this year and a couple of good receivers and stuff. So definitely a high-powered offense that we need to get into the film and, and uh, yeah, just just start preparing for, for those guys.
0: Now your coach said after the game you bring a lot of energy to the team. Have you always been an energetic kid even since you were a wee little guy?
11: Yeah, 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 always bouncing off walls and <laughs> stuff so yeah my my teachers didn't like it too much but uh works on the football field so are you a trash talker too (laughs) you know uh don't tell sarge but yeah i might uh i might i might talk some trash out there
0: (laughs) well my grandpa always said it's not bragging if you can do it and if you can get six quarterback sacks that's outstanding is there anybody you looked up to anybody maybe the cfl level or nfl level that you looked up to
11: yeah, I mean, my my brother uh, played with the Hilltops for for years, uh, three years back in. He he would have been on that team in 2016 that went out to West Shore, and uh, so he's on the the BC lines now. Um, so yeah, just just seeing him the way he was able to uh, to grow and play. Uh, Play for the Hilltops.
0: That's awesome. So it's all in the family now. So you got to go out there and you got to win so that your brother can't have one up on you. And then you got to go out and make the CFL. I, I I bet you those are two of your
11: goals. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. Well, congratulations on the six sack performance. You can tell him that you've uh, you've got that record one he doesn't have. And uh, yeah. and good luck in the championship coming up. Okay.
11: Right on. Thank you. That's Reese
0: Cack, six quarterback sacks going all Lawrence Taylor in that game against the St. Clair Saints. That's next weekend, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. They're out in BC. The West Shore Rebels have been crushing teams out there. Hilltops going in. They're a bit of a younger squad, but uh, they're undefeated. They are 10-0 uh, and on the season now, looking to go... Um, Check that 11 0 in the season. Looking to go 12 0 and having a perfect year. I was part of that once. 12 0, the 93 Rams in the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame. We won the uh, title against Hamilton here. About 8,000 fans came and watched. Always like going to BC and playing, though. The weather's so nice. Um, okay, Blaine, let's get to this now. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. 62 62. You can send in a text and weigh in as well. You can find the Riders' free agent lists online anywhere so blaine uh the riders have i think 19 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 19 and then there's guys in the practice roster that are automatic free agents but guys that were actually on the roster they have 19 free agents okay blaine can only take 10 okay you only have enough money for 10. Doesn't mean you don't like the guys, but you have to make tough decisions in sports, as you know, being a sports guy. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Jake Dolagala, Mason Fine, Antonio Pipkin. So Harris is not a free agent, he's back. Um, my sources are telling me he will come back. So whether they make him take a haircut on a deal, I don't know. But anyway, Dolagala, Fine, Pipkin. Do you bring any of those back? I bring Dolagala back. Yeah, I agree there. I think Jake Dolagala does come back. Uh It'd be nice to bring Mason Fine back. And and for the purpose of this drill, we're not, but maybe they will. Uh, I don't know that one guy's that much better than the other guy, but he's got the intangibles, like bigger guy, maybe see the field. Although I don't think he still sees the field that great, even though he's tall, but he has the... Dimensions to see the field, and he can make every throw. So, and I saw enough of him to bring him back. Like he's definitely a solid backup for sure. I don't know that he's a, I don't know that he's a starter. Do you think he's a, or is it too early to tell yet? I, I kind of think at twenty seven, you are who you are. I'd like to see
1: another season of him in action. Mm. He kind of. You know, he kinda started off strong, but then I don't know if I want to say regress, but yeah. You know, face struggles that a quarterback would typically face in his first year yeah. as a starter. Yeah. So I'd like to see him rebound after this offseason, see if he improves next year. So
0: I would bring him back. So that's one each for us. We've got the same guy. Running backs, they've got two free agents, Frankie Hickson and Jamal Morrell. What would you do there? I bring back Jamal Morrill, but I you know, if
1: we would rank like the teams like as the overall the teams, I don't know if I put Morrill that high because yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of running backs out there. Yeah. But you're just basing, we're just basing it off of the if our free agents. If we're just saying, bring him up, bring him back, whatever. Yeah, I'll bring back Jamal. I would like Jamal
0: Morrow. I bring yeah, back. I think he's more, a little more durable than Frankie Hickson. At least that's the way it's appearing. And uh, he's showing versatility, almost at 1,000 yards rushing. He last year, actually, uh, last year, I think five or six games in, he was the combined yardage leader before yeah. they went and scooped up Mario Alford. So uh, I I probably would be, bring back Jamal Morrow. Uh, fullbacks. They're just one free agent. Albert will watch you. Do you bring him back or not? I I would bring Albert to watch you back. You need those gritty, I say ditch-digging Canadians. That's who I'd bring back. I would bring him back.
1: Yeah, I would. uh, Because I don't know if... Bruno LaBelle is more of like a tight end. Yeah. You know, he's not like a blocking yeah. fullback, you know? Yeah. So. And
0: by the way, they still have Bruno under contract. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, I agree with that. Okay, receivers. We got Mar. So, that- so you and I have three right now out of 10. Mario Alford, Sean Bain Jr., Jawan Breskison, Tevin Jones, Braden Lennius. Alford Bain Jr., Breskison Jones, Lennius. Who do you bring back there? Uh, I say the
1: obvious one's Bain Jr. Yep. I think he's the obvious. I agree. One. I, I wouldn't agree. be surprised. He's the first one signed before February. I don't know about like the next couple of weeks kind of situation, like they had Mario Alfred sign be, during the player awards. Yeah, I think Bane Junior signs. Resign. I think he resigns quicker than others. Yeah. I would, but uh, he's the one obvious one. <laughs> the other ones, uh, I kind of. It depends on how much a bounce back you think you get out of Brayden Lennius. and then you can if you get Lennius With Emily's, with Schaefer Baker, you got three receivers, three Canadians in your receiving core, and it can allow some flexibility elsewhere.
0: I missed the second page that I printed out. There's 35 free agents, not 19. So let's go, let's go 18, okay? You got to pick 18, Okay. okay? Sorry, for the purpose of this. Got a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'd go Bain Jr., Braden Lennius. And then I kind of wait on Tevin Jones. I'm not—he's a good special teams guy, but it kind of bothered me when they said he didn't really know the playbook. So uh, at the end of the year, and I wouldn't mind one guy to switch up in that receivers group. So maybe, but he's definitely one of those guys on the bubble. Yeah, that's right. So that'd be—but I'm letting Elford go. Uh, I think you can find a returner. Elford had a couple of good games, but unless they brought him back at a discount. That's 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 what I would do. So that gives us so that gives me uh, gives us 5 there. On the offensive line, Philip Blake, Logan Ferlin, Evan Johnson, Colin Kelly, Eric Lofton. I'm bringing back Blake for sure. I'm bringing back Ferlin for sure. I'm bringing back Colin Kelly for sure. Do I Colin Kelly or Eric Lofton? Lofton had a serviceable year, you know. I actually, you know what? I'm gonna bring call I'm gonna bring Eric Lofton back and Evan Johnson. So I'm bringing Blake, Furland, Evan Johnson, and Eric Lofton. I'm I don't know about Colin Kelly. He also hurt his knee. I'm going Furland,
1: Philip Blake, assuming he he wants to play next year and everything. Eric Lofton yeah, I'm in the middle with him I like to see him But I like to see him Battle for a spot okay. You know So if we're talking that, That's a group I think they're going to still as yes, They improved this year But I think they're still Going to add a lot Of other yeah. guys I want to see like Three new pieces In that starting Offensive line I think. Yeah. So would you bring Colin Kelly back? Mm, no Coming off an
0: injury At that stage No I thought Evan Johnson Had a good year Like a solid year Is he a starter? No but he's a good Swiss army knife I feel if he's willing to be just a six
1: offensive, well, I shouldn't say just to be a six offensive lineman, but he'd probably would have to start out with the Riders as a six yeah. offensive lineman. I'm not sure yeah. if he's going to try and, you know, make it on as a Canadian guard elsewhere, possibly. Yeah.
0: So we've got uh, our offense a little later on in the show. We'll take a look at our defense when we come back after four o'clock. It is Arash medani. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on six twenty CKRM.
2: 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is The Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Rashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between.
0: This is Coast to Coast with Rashma Danny. For smart investing solutions, be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions 546 2533. Michael Ball here along with Blaine Weiland, and we. Head out on the Western Pizza hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule with Western Pizza. And I'm joined now by Arash Medani of Sportsnet. Welcome to the show once again. You're in Halifax. We'll get to that in a second. Man, you never stay home. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) That's the truth. It's crazy, man. So um, I I assume, now, I don't want to get too personal, but I hope you rent. Because you're never home to look after a yard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do have a yard. I moved into a place with a yard during
4: COVID. So there's a front yard and a backyard. Wow. Look at so you. I got, some, I got some leaf raking to do when I got home.
0: Oh, well, guess what? We got snow shoveling, so you're not going to have me crying. Ah, there we go. Yeah, we're in there Saskatchewan. We you guys actually get... I was actually talking to my uh, endocrinologist today who did uh, some, you know, some of his uh, studies in Ottawa. And I was just there for the first time with the riders, and I said... Uh, you know, how's winter there? He goes, well, actually, winter, it's minus 15 in Ottawa and Ontario, especially Ottawa. The snow's heavier, it's wetter, and minus 15 feels like minus 40 because it's damp. But in Ontario, we actually get the seasons. Like, we get spring yep. and we get fall, so we don't have an extra two or three weeks of winter like you guys have.
4: Yeah, but that pretty much... Uh that pretty much sums it up. We definitely get seasons. Yeah. And yeah. We, all, it, we always know when football weather hits, you know? Yeah. You really feel football weather in, yeah. in that part of the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, we'll get to CFL football in a second. Your football team started 1-4, and four, yours being the Vikings in the NFL. You, Peter Lubarius, yes. my buddy Kelly Rample, starts 1-4, rattles off three wins. Yeah, yeah. Three three straight wins. Kirk Cousins having his best year in. Ever headed for free agency, and then he does something that he always does: drops back to pass, steps like he stepped ten, twenty thousand times before, and she's all over. So, yes. how do the Vikings? How do the Vikings address it? They get Joshua Dobbs, a, <laughs> guy, a guy who couldn't even make up his own jersey at the Arizona Cardinals team store. It's it's like that. It's like that scene in Dumb and Dumber. When
4: Jim Carrey says to Jeff Daniels, you went out and totally redeemed yourself. Yeah. Well, I, I, I am now convinced the Vikings are allergic to anything but mediocrity. Because Josh Dobbs may go win them two or three games, so they'll finish like 7-10, and 10, Yeah, which is not good enough to tank for a real draft pick. Which means you're going to be drafting lower down the totem pole. Which means you can't go get a franchise quarterback. Da 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 da.
0: Rinse and repeat. Yeah,
4: like you have to be bad enough to get good, or good enough to win. And the Vikes are neither.
0: No, they aren't. Uh, and uh, I'll get into this next point in a second. But teams that. Pull together in the same direction where your general manager, your head coach and your quarterback are all on the same page like Philadelphia, even though they really haven't played spectacular, they have the best record in the league. The Kansas City Chiefs, even the San Francisco 49ers who are reeling a bit right now, but made a trade for Chase Young, Um, you know, good GM, great Coach, probably the best offensive coach in the league, Brock Purdy uh, has struggled a bit, but he hasn 't been terrible. Uh, I take last week 's uh, game off the you know the eyeball test chart because he 's you know got rushed into it with a concussion maybe pro- maybe shouldn 't have played darnold should have played. But you know another team? The one I watched last night, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Detroit Lions. They are for real, and they might win that division for a while. Their players are young, good GM, good coach. I like the Lions. I like the Lions, too. I think they are legit,
4: and everything you just said is right. I mean, they have hit on draft picks, which is how you do it. Five of their picks this this year alone, Baldy are impact players to say nothing of Aiden Hutchinson last year, who is among the best pass rushers in the NFL period, and you're getting all these dudes on entry level contracts in an NFC where that division is toast. Jordan Love is just garbage. Um, you know, Joshua Dobbs in Minnesota for you know, the Chicago's shopping for quarterbacks in the division two bargain basement. And an NFC that's winnable. Yes, yeah, Hanfran is really good, but, you know, they're beatable. Philly's really good, but they're beatable. And, and Detroit, the Detroit Lions are here to
0: stay. Yeah, they are. Think
4: about how wild and crazy that sounds.
0: Yeah, it's, it is crazy. Like, uh, Gibbs yesterday. There's a guy. There's a draft pick. Gibbs comes in pick. from yep. Alabama, and that allows them to get rid of DeAndre Swift. And all this guy does is have, uh, what, 152 yards yesterday. You want to know how putre that organization is? One of the worst organizations ever uh, till this point. He's the first guy since Barry Sanders in '89 to have over 100 yards rushing and over 30 yards receiving in the same game. That's ridiculous. You
4: know, like, th- think of the talent they wasted. Barry Sanders, top 10 running back ever, wasted. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, top 10 receiver ever, regardless of era, wasted. But now they've kind of, they're starting to put it together, and you're right. Brad Holmes, their GM, Jan Campbell, their coach, they're in lockstep. The other one, Ballsy, that, that kind of, I don't want to say he's under the radar, but Sam Lapora is a tight end from University of Iowa, which is apparently a tight end factory. He has stepped in right away and become an impact player. Like, when you continue to hit home runs on draft picks, you are going to win, and you're going to be a really good football team. And I know it's weird because they're the Detroit Lions,
0: but that's what the Lions are, man. They're a really good football team. Yeah, Amaron, uh, 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 sorry, Amon, or Amon Ross St. Brown is how you say it. Sorry, I butchered yes. that three times. That guy was a fourth-round pick. And do you know, I didn't know this till yesterday, has the most yards in Detroit Lions history as a receiver over the first 40 games, even better than Megatron.
4: You know what's also cool about him? And, and I, I think this is neat. That guy can recite in order... Every receiver from that draft that was taken before him,
0: sixteen before him.
4: Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah. love I love guys. So,
0: I love guys that play with a chip on their shoulder. And that's when I watch Dan Campbell coach, and I watch the Hard Knocks from the year before. That's what I want. I want a passionate guy that'll go through a wall for the players, and that is an alpha dog. That's what the Riders need. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, that's really fair. Speaking of coaches, Bob Dice is back. Do you like it? I, uh, I do. And I think, uh, <laughs>
4: he, like, I know it's weird to say that with their struggles, he's earned a second year. I, I just, I believe Bob Dice should be back. I believe, however, that there's an issue in Ottawa, and that is the head coach has two years left on his deal, and the GM has one year left on his deal. And we just talked about organizations where the GM and head coach are in lockstep. This is where ownership has to step forward. This is where Roger Greenberg, the owner in Ottawa has to just add an extra year to the GM's contract, to Sean Burke's contract, because you can't have a GM on an expiring contract and a coach looking a little further ahead because now you have a GM who says, well, we have to win now to save my butt. And what are the moves we're going to make? So good owners And good ownership and good leadership wins. Ottawa, you just do that. It's just money... And now you're going to look out for the greater good in the long-term focus and future of the franchise. That's how you go about it.
0: Mm. Uh, interesting too. I wonder, like f- four four years missing the playoffs in a row. And g- kudos to Red Black Nation. Their fans have showed up. I don't I don't chastise them for only averaging eighteen thousand fans. But should we and not start- just
4: missing the playoffs, Ballsy. Like yeah, dred- dreadful. Yeah, dreadful
0: in a nine-team league, not a thirty-two-team league. When should we start? Right. When should we start worrying about apathy? Uh, lack of interest there. Oh, man.
4: I am. Look, I. But for Ottawa, because I work there, because this is the third go around, because there are so many people who want that thing to succeed, and they won a championship, and they had a parade, and it meant so much to the people there. I. I and you and know, I have talked about this, Ballsy. Apathy is the. You want people mad. Mm-hmm. You want people angry. You want people invested. You want people caring. People have stopped caring. This is dangerous. This is a bad time. And people just hide behind OSEG. They just say OSEG's the, the owner. You know, we should start talking about ownership there, as in Roger Greenberg, because I get that your focus is on a newer a new arena for your major junior hockey team. That's great. And I know your focus is on, you know, having big skyscrapers, new condo buildings, a couple of towers as part of your Lansdowne 2.0 um you know, future. And that's great. And that's all important. But as an owner, you are the steward of that franchise for the people in the city. You owe it to the people in the city to do all the things possible to win. Mm. And I know they haven't had a quarterback healthy in a long time, Balty, but at some point, you just have to go. And if you're a real estate mogul, you, these are the things I'm not saying they're going to do this. I'm saying these are the things you have to do. Mm -hmm. You go to Nathan Rourke's agent, and you say the top level of our new condo building is Nathan's. We're going to set him up with an off-season job. We're going to set him up with a job after he's done playing, and we're going to make him the highest-paid player in the history, you know, in in the league today, highest-paid quarterback ever, and let's go. And that's how you win over your fan base again. Because it is it is teetering ballsy, and for a, for a city that has seen football twice disappear, I'm not saying Ottawa's close to that, but you're starting to see signs of the discontent and then the lack of even caring the way they did with the Renegades, and that's when it gets scary.
0: A lot of people are talking about our head coaching search here, uh, Scott Milanovic. Everybody's like, that's got to be the targeted guy. Uh but then I've heard maybe he won't leave there. Maybe he doesn't even want to be a head coach. Maybe he just wants to be an offensive coordinator. He lives in Florida in the off season. What are you hearing in that, in those circles in terms of coaches, GMs and movement as we get towards the great cup?
4: Well, I'm wondering where the other movements going to be. And it, it sounds and seems like Edmonton. You, you wonder where there could be changes. It sounds like Edmonton's going to be status quo. It sounds like Calgary's going to be status quo at the top. now, if Hamilton loses this weekend, could there be a change? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. <sighs> what? I, I just wonder what coach is going to come in and not have a real say on personnel. That's what I wonder. Mm. Cause that's what a lot of this is about too, right? Yeah. In pers- today's pro football.
0: Yep. You want to have the ingredients. Uh, so if you're blamed for the bad meal, then you pick the ingredients. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're against the clock. You're in Halifax. Uh, a. Why are you there? B. What's up? Anything more on the CFL front there? Cause let's be honest. This team will never get the 30. This league will never get the 32 teams, but we do need a 10th team.
4: Yeah, so I'm here for the Christine Sinclair kind of farewell tour, and we're yep. getting up to the Wanderers grounds now. They've sold this place out. This place, even with Renos, is not a CFL facility. Walter, well, you were here. Yep. this summer. St. Mary's University. They've said um, they've said uh, they're interested. So you know, we'll see if that happens. I'm gonna be sniffing around today. And trying to get a little intel, so maybe by Thursday I'll have some information for you.
0: Awesome, man. Well, enjoy the uh, festivities tonight, and we'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Thank you. Arash Madani joining us from Halifax. Christine Sinclair tour. He is our, uh, he is our Elliot Friedman with uh, CFL News. Uh, Blaine and I will get to the defense of free agents because I missed the whole second half of the page. Some yes, play-by-play guy. I am. This is the Sports Cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
2: Time now for the cage clutch performer on 620 CKRM.
3: Corey Seager smashes a ball down the line. Goodbye. Three to nothing,
0: Texas. Second of the World Series for Corey Seager, and boy, his home runs get out in a hurry. Corey Seager hit his fifth home run of the postseason in the winning effort as the Texas Rangers knock off the Arizona Diamondbacks 3-1 to grab a 2-1 lead in the World Series as they aim to win it all for the first time in franchise history. That victory means the Rangers are now an unbelievable 9-0 on the road this postseason. Our clutch performer, Corey Seager. For next service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer, give him a call, 7 8 Our house is your house. Welcome
2: inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620
0: CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, Blaine Wyland, welcoming your text to at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. We'll maybe address some of those later. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Coming up here after four thirty, we're going to hear from Clint Bubba O'Neill, who covers the Tiger Cats on the Tiger Cats Audio Network and CHCH Television in the Hammer and the Moj. Bob Marjanovic going to join us. We're covering the BC Lions broadcast this coming weekend as we've got the West Semifinal, West Final Great Cup for you. Okay, Blaine, we went through our uh, offense. Uh, there's 35 free agents because I didn't see the second half of the page. So I'll let us, ha- I'll, let, I'll let us sign just over half, 20. Okay. So we've got Dolagala. Mm-hmm. We both had Moro. We both had Awachi. We both had Bain Jr. and Lennius. Question mark for Tevin Jones. Uh, we both had Philip Blake. Logan Furland. I had Evan Johnson and Eric Lofton. You just had uh, Blake Furland and uh, Eric Lofton, right? You didn't have Colin Kelly or Evan Johnson? Yeah, no, I put Lofton's kind of my bubble guys okay. at the end. I wanted to see like how many we got left. Okay, so I've got uh, Miles Brown next. I'm bringing Miles Brown uh, back. I think the Rough Riders really dropped off when he got hurt in the D line. So I got the, for the D line and it's Miles Brown, the Marcus Christmas, Charbel De Beer, Micah Johnson, Anthony Lanier II. So I'm going to go with uh, Miles and- Brown. Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. And you forgot Pete Robertson. Pete Robertson, sorry. I'm going Miles Brown, Charbel Beer, Anthony Lanier II, but play him a D-tackle, for God's sake, where he's dominating, and Micah Johnson, if he takes a pay cut. Like, I'll say, Micah, you can go look for a deal elsewhere. If not, we'd love to have you back at this price tag. What do you got there?
1: I pretty much got the same. I, You know what? Miles Brown, he might be the most... The guy that they have to resign in terms of defense, like yeah, their defensive line uh, in terms of interior yeah. running, it, it definitely went downhill after he went out of the lineup. Uh, like those last few games, yeah, teams were able to run in between the tackles. Like they had some, su- the teams had success against the Rough Riders outside the tackle box, But once Miles Brown went out, they had a lot of success running in between the tackles. So he's one guy like they, I think they need to resign. Yeah, Charbel sure, Beer is helpful for the Canadian rotation as well as experience as well and special teams and special teams. I'm kind of in the same boat with Micah Johnson. Like, I don't know, I, I almost wonder if he's a luxury now with with the amount of linemen they got, especially. I'll put Anthony Lanier on that list. So that's kind of why I don't know if you could put both Johnson and Lanier on that list. I think almost you got to have like one or the other. And Johnson, you get more of the experience, the leadership.
0: He's also going to be 36 next year. That's why I'm letting him, if you can find another deal, here's a here's a hometown discount for us. If you want to come back, we will extend your career. Because I don't know how many teams will be in the Micah Johnson factor, a uh, race just for what you said, but uh, he had a great year. I put him down as an all-star. I had him as an all-star pick in the West. He I, was good in the interior.
1: I think Anthony Lanier, though, too, and... Whether it's just him playing D de- t- de- tackle, you're yeah. expecting a bounce back for him as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why you. Put but him
0: he on doesn't his... get 250 grand like he did last no, year. No, 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 no. no. Uh, linebackers. I got Larry Dean. Same thing, Larry. We love you. You're a great leader. You let us in tackles. If you can find a deal elsewhere, have at her. But we'd like you back at this number. So I got Larry Dean. They've already leased Harry Lamanna, so he's out. Uh, J- J- Justin Herdman Reed who was near the top of special teams uh, tackles when he went out, uh, Derek Moncrief and Micah Tights. I'm going to re-sign Micah Tights. He had a bit of an off year, but he was banged up. He battled through it. I'm going to re-sign Micah Tights, and I'm going to offer Derek Moncrief a, a discount contract too. I don't think Derek Moncrief wants to go anywhere. He wants to stay here. That could maybe hurt him in negotiations. Derek Moncrief, uh, his you know, family business here, Suds Car Wash, he's married into that business although he has not a lot to do with it, I'm going to go Derek at a discount, Larry Dean at a discount, if I could get it, Micah Tights.
1: I'm going with Larry Dean just because I don't think they got the replacement on their roster right now. I mean, I don't know if they were really looking at TJ Brunson seriously or not, I think, but his problem was he couldn't stay healthy
0: in his limited action. Now, once again, we're not factoring in other free agents. We're just going with what we have on our roster.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know about Moncrief, just because at the tail end of the season, it just kind of went yeah. down I wonder how up.
0: much it was sleepless hear me out I wonder how much it was sleepless nights he's a new father that weighs on you it does weigh on you you look tired at times and he was battling with injuries all year yeah. I mean he came off
1: of injury to begin of the year late training yeah. camps. so yeah. I'm on the fence with him Micah Tite's kind of the same like I thought he played all well, okay, in June and July, but then just that August, starting in August, that Montreal game, and just after that, I think, I'm not sure what happened after that. I, I thought the second half was not a good half for him. So I'm on the fence with him, but they need a Canadian there. So I would say retain him, but, uh, I, that's one of the situations though, if you can get like a lot of, uh, uh, can on offense he may be, be able to get some versatility and dress another American linebacker
0: so I've got uh, Jeremy Clark Amari Henderson Nelson Lacombo Nick Marshall Godfrey Onyeka C.J. Revis Tremaine Washington I'm gonna go with I think Nelson Lacombo might lean towards signing with the BC Lions and playing with his brother BC guy uh, I'm gonna go Amari Henderson and C.J. Revis and on the bubbles Jeremy Clark like I'm if I could bring him back I would otherwise I'm good there T.J. Revis would be one of my lead free agents I sign. He'd be near the top, yeah. priority-wise. I, I
1: agree. He'd be like up there in terms of defensive. I think it's either Herman Miles Brown, the two guys I would want to sign a defense. Mm. And Amari Henderson, too. I agree. I think you could bring him back. He's shown some flashes, I think, as well. I think I'll substitute my guy on the bum, the DB. I'll substitute Tremaine Washington instead of Jeremy Clark. Okay, so you take Jeremy Clark, yeah. Or I okay. take Washington over Clark. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But I'm not too sure
0: yet. Like, I kind of... That's another position I'd like to see him explore. I thought Jeremy Clark was getting better before he got hurt. Uh... And he was out for the ratio for a couple of games, so and I like his length. He's a tall yeah. guy. Uh, then on special teams, uh, Jorgen Hughes hasn't had a bad snap since I've been watching Rider football. So Jorgen Hughes is back all day of the week and twice on Tuesday. And I, I'm bringing Brett Lothar back. He fought through injuries at the start. I thought he had a he had a good, not great year, but uh, I'd bring him back. Not only that, good community guy, knows what it means to be a Rough Rider, valuable guy. I'm bringing Lother back too. Yeah, I'm bringing both those guys back. Lother, you know, he battled.
1: I remember at the beginning of the season, everyone was calling for his job, but he, ah. he persevered afterwards. And yeah, he had some injuries, but it just the kick and I don't think it... Was that much of a fact? I thought he
0: had a good season as well. So, you yeah. know, I'm bringing those two back. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, 936-6262. You can weigh in on free agency if you want. There's lists out there to find. Anybody can find them. Um, you can call us 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. When we come back, we'll talk about the East Final, Semi-Final, sorry, Hamilton and Montreal with Clint Bubba O'Neill. This is the sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
2: We're talking sports on your way home. This is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is The Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three down game.
12: Let's go. Spread right. Fake spear. Play pass, sixteen. Counter Z deep angle. Pull
6: back west. Right. Zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick screen left. on one.
0: Today on the CFL Report, from 3 Down Nation, we get the latest league figures in terms of attendance. And I think it really speaks to something that I've been saying for a while. (laughs) No big shocker, although other fan bases don't want to admit this. Rider Nation drives the CFL. When the Riders are doing well, it's better for the league. Check this out. Even though they've lost seven games in a row to close out the last two seasons, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their great fan base averaged 27,649 fans, which was second only to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have been to three straight Grey Cups and probably four straight Grey Cups. They averaged 30,449 fans. Kudos to the Edmonton Elks fans, 24,774, their average attendance, third best. The VC Lions at four with the great work Amar Goman's been doing as their owner, spreading awareness. 23,208 fans. And Hamilton Tiger Cats rounded out the top five with 22,877 for an average attendance because, of course... It's propped up by the Grey Cup. Now, I know the riders' numbers are inflated because people bought the MVP package, which was three years of season tickets so they could get their Grey Cup ticket for uh, last year's contest. Would have been... 2020s contest, but you know that it was delayed because of COVID. And if uh, what people are saying is going to come to pass, they've been expressing to me that season ticket base will drop and could drop big time. But right now, as I said, the numbers don't lie. The Rough Riders fan base, relative to their on-field success, very, very solid. Kudos to Rider Nation once again. By the way, the rest of the attendance, Calgary was... Six, Ottawa 7, Montreal 8, and Toronto up, but at number 9. That's your CFL Report.
2: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now
0: back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show. Brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sport, culture, and recreation groups. It's semifinal Saturday in the CFL. We know out west, it's Calgary, BC. Out east, Hamilton and Montreal. This guy covers the Tiger Cats, CHCH in the Hamilton area, and of course the Tie Cats Audio Network. How are you, Clint Baba O'Neill?
9: Yeah, ballsy. I tell you. Uh, I really, really good to connect with you. Um, I'll tell you one thing that really, really has me really happy and pleased about not just this game, but of course the West game as well too. I really, uh, I'm applauding the CFL and maybe some will see it as rolling the dice. I like the fact that they're holding this game on a Saturday. I think it's a, it's a much better situation for the league and I'm quite pumped up and ready for this
0: contest. Well, they did it uh, a few years ago. I don't know how the ratings were, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too uh, upset with it either. Uh, I, I'm happy they're keeping, I think, the finals on Sunday in the Grey Cup. Like, I don't want to bow to the NFL totally, but I there's, lot, there's lots going on on Saturday, so I don't mind that at all. Let's get right down to the brass tacks. We'll start out west. How do you see that one shaking down? Like, I think BC's going to win and probably Handley, but I wouldn't be shocked if Calgary won that. That game
9: No, I would be shocked if Calgary won that game. I say because I'll tell you why the, the BC or BC Lions. On, I think that all three aspects. and You know, we talk about that all the time. You call games, we call games. uh You know, you want you want to talk offense, defense, special teams, and and I just don't know. Maybe the kicker might be better, and even it's pretty close too between White and paredes and, and, uh, But I, I think that it's the dominant team, and, and the, are the Lions? Uh, they're playing at home. Uh, And I know we talk about it and we just finished talking about it on the CFO this week on the Ticats Audio Network about the the possibility of the the good VA Vernon Adams and the bad Vernon Adams approaching. And I think even if you get an okay Vernon Adams, you're still good enough defensively to beat this team. So I would be shocked if Calgary, who I think have been limping all season long and I hate to say it because I'm on a Regina radio station, I don't know if Calgary should be in the playoffs. I I firmly thought, especially at Labor Day, that your Green Riders were going to be in the playoffs, uh, and then we all know what happened. So I feel like they backed into the postseason more so than earned themselves. Yes, they won that big game against BC three weeks ago, but I, I thought this was Saskatchewan's playoff post to have
0: yeah you and uh, about a million people here in Saskatchewan Clint so yeah no believe me we're still getting over it I don't know that we ever will uh, the thing that'll help us get over it is the uh, coaching uh, hire and uh, everybody here says they want Scott Milanovic but I'm, I'm I'm hearing rumors that he might not be leaving that fast like maybe he could be elevated to coach any, uh, any truth to that juice I, I haven't heard anything like that I'll
9: be honest with you um, I think Coach O is certainly done a great Orlando Steiner has been a, a, an ample job with the team since joining, coming back with the franchise after being at Fresno State and being handed the double role. Um, I think, I mean, what, here's, what's, here's what has me concerned, and, and, and I don't like to speculate about this stuff too much, but yes, I mean, it's going to be something that's asked in the offseason when the tight to do get there. Does Scott Mil- Milanovic want to be a head coach? He doesn't live here anymore, but like he he lives in Florida, as, as far as I know. What's his situation? Is he happy to see a, an offensive coordinator? You know what effort it takes to being a head coach and what it takes to, to, you know, the time that it takes out of your family and all those kind of things. I just don't know Scott well enough to know if that's the situation. So we'll see. I mean, based on if he wants to be a head coach, boy, if I'm the Rough Riders, I'm knocking on his door. Yeah, he's done, even in his short time here in Hamilton, with no due respect to the former offensive coordinator. He's made wonders out of this team and I think put the Cats back on track offensively.
0: Yeah, for sure. Clint Bubba O'Neal joining us here covering the Hamilton Tiger Cats, getting ready to take on the uh, Montreal Alouettes. So is it going to be Matthew Schiltz or the GOAT, Bo Levi Mitchell? I feel like Hamilton, now I'm 35,000 feet, but when I watch Tiger Cat games, I feel like they got a little more juice with uh with uh, Schiltz at quarterback.
9: It's a good option to have. Uh, I don't know how you deny Bo Levi Mitchell in all he's done, the starting record I, I look, people are going to look at what they saw last week and the Cats offense, you know, quite honestly this did not look very good against the Alouettes last week, but again you know those games I mean, what games were being played by the Ticats, what games were being played by the Alouettes in terms of game planning in terms of play calling uh, the Cats did not have James Butler at running back they did not have their MOP candidate in, 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 uh, in Tim White playing that game as well too. Uh, several defensive players were maybe in and out playing. I, I can't put any stock into that game, but what I do know is that when Bo Levi Mitchell, like I know it, it, it's easy to look at the, the touchdown to interception ratio. It really is easy to do that and say, ah, Bo's done. I don't think so. Right, there has been some times where he has really slung the football real good, and the game that the one game that he did play the entire game, which would have been in Ottawa, and I know it's the Red Blocks, but he threw for nearly four hundred yards and then got injured on the final play of the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, it, it, is Boldy by Mitchell the same guy he was when he was uh, twenty-five years old? No. Well, who you well know, who is the same person they are when they were twenty-five years old? Right, like yeah. let's be serious here. Right, yes, yeah. there is. There is some uh, some missing parts of his game, or th- maybe some deteriorating parts of his game, and but uh, in, in terms of mobility, but he can still sling the football. And I think if you get his offensive line has certainly improved, uh, I I think you've got to go to him. But like you said, Matthew Schultz does have the ability to move. He's almost not even like a backup quarterback. He can come in there and offer some different things in terms of running the football direct call runs, that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about stuff that, you know, short yardage stuff. I'm talking about designed sprint out, roll out, run plays. So I think it's a great option to have. I would not be surprised to see the two quarterback system in this ball game.
0: This is a Clint O'Neill joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline Tuesday show for Saskatchewan Lotteries. By the way, how'd you get the nickname Bubba? Uh, Grade, boy,
9: grade eleven grade 11, I was I technically, grade 10 actually, I was technically a junior fo- eligible football player, and I was pretty decent,
12: mm-hmm.
9: um, and I got elevated to the senior level a year earlier because I, I, I laid out a, a, a third-year senior, so um, someone, the captain of the team said, man, that's like Bubba Smith, Like, the, you know, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. and then somehow that just stuck, and so it, it's been bubba it's been bubs it's been uh it's been morphed into many different types but somehow what one of my 56 years old mm. <laughs> and it's still lasted. It. so uh, i've always said that there's worse things that can be called
0: well uh a guy whose nickname's ballsy can't uh critique a guy whose nickname's <laughs> bubba so it's b and b here on the show a couple more questions for you here so um like i Montreal's offense, I don't want to be a Cody basher. Uh people around here know him and I didn't end so great. I will tell you he is a um he's a he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's uh he's spectacular. I don't trust him to win the big game even though if he wins this game, he'll have his team in a divisional final for uh, three to the past 4 years. But I think let's be honest, Montreal's defense carries the water on that football team. Uh, how do you see this one shaking down if the Tiger Cats are to win?
9: Yeah, and I think that's a great point that you bring up there, Ballsy. is that it, I think this is Noel Thorpe's, uh, I'm not saying it's not his team, but, uh, this is Jason Moss's team, but I think what uh, Noel Thorpe's defense does and how they, you know, the game plan against the Tie is the, Sort of matchup I'm really more interested in. And, and, and I, and I'm with you on I, I think there's, I think he throws one, I think there's one variety of ball that he throws real nice. And that's like that when he takes that five step drop and throws hard over the middle, he seems, and a crossing pattern, and he mm-hmm. seems to connect real hard on those. But anything outside of the numbers, I always question. And even in deep ball, I still don't think he's there. I find that if he takes too long to set up. He, I think he invites Quarterbacks be, his, as a quarterback being sacked. I yeah. really do. Like, there's something about that. It's just, I don't know if it's his decision-making process or his footwork, but, I mean, the numbers don't lie, right? I mean, you saw it with, with the Rough Riders. I mean, the guy got beat up because he put his, his offensive line under a lot of stress. And it's been the same situation with Montreal, too. He's been beat up a lot in terms of sacks. So, uh, again, William Stanback, he'll be a huge factor offensively in time of possession, keeping the Ticats' offense off the field. I think that's a big factor as well, too. But I'm with you. This is going to come down to a matchup between Scott Milanovich, the offensive play caller, Bo Levi Mitchell, or whoever's at quarterback, I, I don't be surprised too if James Butler becomes a very, very important part of this. Not only just running the football, but passing the ball out of the backfield. I think the Ty Cats have something real schemed up here for this Alouettes team, and I know that they've beaten them all three times. The two of them, one of them was a meaningless game, and two of them, Bo Levi Mitchell wasn't even a part of. He was on the sideline. I think there's an upset in the brewing in, in, in the making here. And I'm not just saying that as a tight audio or a CHCH guy, I think this is going to happen.
0: I agree too. And I think the whole, a great cup on home turf plays a big role and it too. adds a little extra juice. I got Hamilton, which wouldn't be much of an upset. It's a coin flip and BC should win by two touchdowns. Hey, Clint, have a great day. And thanks for joining us. Paul, it's always a pleasure. And, 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 and let's play, hey, let's get these riders back in the playoffs. <sighs> it's not the same without
9: you guys in the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I have said it a thousand times. You guys are my the second team. I love Regina.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I mean, uh, a lot of fan bases don't like to hear this, but the league is way better off when the Riders are a great team. No argument there. Thanks, man. Take care. Pleasure. Enjoy your day. The Kings of Saskatchewan
2: Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620
0: CKRM. Keep the text coming, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. This show on a Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sports, culture, and recreation groups. After 5, we'll talk to the color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network, Bob Stopper. Talk a little more Halloween, it is trick-or-treat night. Al Miller in Pat Chat, the Pats GM, Glenn Suter. And we'll hear from Reese Cack. Um, The guy who set the record for most sacks in a CJFL game. Six in that win, 43-0 over the St. Clair Saints. They're playing in the Canadian Bowl next weekend out in BC against the West Shore Rebels. Speaking of BC, let's go out on the Western Pizza hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule with Western Pizza. Now, this is my favorite play-by-play guy in the CFL, not named Michael Ball. (laughs) Ha! (laughs) <laughs> it's hey, the, you're talking about yourself in a third person that's a good yeah, thing that's a rock it's like the rock no bob Marjanovic, the moj great uh, broadcaster with the bc lions my bosses came to me said hey since you're not doing any playoff games who do you want to cover like what team because we got we broadcast the western semi-final the west final and the gray cup of course uh the CFL stupidly doesn't let the, or TSN or whatever, doesn't let the home team do the games uh, at the Grey Cup anymore, which is stupid. But I said, through the playoffs, let's ride with the BC Lions all we can. So we're going to have this broadcast, the Moj and Julio Caravatta, who are on our show regularly, we're going to cover uh, their broadcast here on Saturday. By the way, first off, do you like the game on Saturday?
13: Yeah, I do. And, by the way, thank you for the compliments. Uh, You make me humble. Um, But (laughs) I'll say this. I mean, you know, everyone talks about the Sundays, but I think it's just as a standalone on the Saturday, not having to worry about the National Football League. I mean, people get the best of both worlds. Now, obviously, you're competing against the NCAA and the University of North Dakota. I don't know what they're called now, the Warriors, I think. They used to be the Fighting Sioux. Fighting Hawks. Fighting Hawks. Fighting Hawks. Fighting Hawks. Fighting Hawks, some people might gravitate towards the, the, the Fighting Hawks games, but for the most part, I think football fans in Canada now get the best of both worlds. Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, Bob, I've got to ask you this. How do you like that dribble punt? I, absol- I love all the Canadian rules. We have the best rules in football, but I hate that one. It's got to go 10
13: yards at least, doesn't it? I totally agree with you. Um, I-, I love the onside rule. But I don't like the loophole in the rule where a guy kicks a ball, whatever, 14 inches, and winds up picking up a first down where you needed to gain 20 yards. I'm in total agreement with you. If you need 20, then you have to onside kick it for 20, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you need 10, then onside kick it for 10. Um, because right now, I think it's making a mockery of the game. And you know, hey, props to Montreal. They they figured out the loophole and. They're the ones that have exploited the best thus far utilizing it on two plays, but I'm not a fan of it. I love the rule, but in this instance, I just believe that it has to go the distance of the yards needed
11: for the first down.
0: Please tell me, and listen, I don't have a dog in the fight. We had Mark Mueller on earlier. I love Mark Mueller. He's a great dude. I think one of the bright football minds. He should get a chance at being a head coach in this league, who knows, even with the Riders. But please tell me that's not the BC Lions I'm going to see on Saturday, the one that was playing flag football against Calgary a couple of weeks ago.
13: Well, I hope not, and uh, to me it's all about the line of scrimmage. Uh, I write a bi-weekly column for Black Press, which is a chain of about 70 newspapers in BC and Alberta, and the thing I focused on today, talking to some of the Lions and head coach Rick Campbell, and that is the line of scrimmage. And the Lions got to get back to dominating on the line of scrimmage. You look at that game early in the season when they went into Winnipeg and manhandled the Bombers 30-6, to they completely dominated the line of scrimmage, but you know, credit Winnipeg by bringing in that extra offensive lineman. They've kind of set a template on how to, you know, go uh, go against this BC Lions defense, and teams have exploited that in the last little while. So that's going to be, you know, something that the Lions are going to have to correct if they want to have any success here in the postseason. And, you know, talking to some of the players, there's there's a mindset here. I mean, we talked to Gary Peters today after practice, and he was telling us how lucky Whitehead had held a you know, called for a team-only meeting last week during the bye, and a lot of the guys kind of expressed what they have to do both on, on both sides of the ball to to be successful. And one of the things I kind of got the feeling in talking to Gary Peters and also in talking to Josh Banks and head coach Rick Campbell is this defense has to start playing with more aggressiveness. They have to become, go back to being the hammer like they were in the first half of the season rather than nail. Josh Banks used the term flinch. Um, I, Rick Campbell kind of didn't agree with that term, you know, and, Depends on the definition, he said. But the bottom line is they they can't be thinking out there. They just got to go out there and play hard and play aggressive. And if they do that, I think the Lions will be in good shape. If they don't, if they kind of, you know, just ease off the accelerator a little bit, next thing you know, you're going to have 150 yards rushing and guys catching passes in the flats for first downs all the time.
0: So uh, I got the Lions by 10. I think that should be pretty well the way it goes, don't you?
13: Yeah, I mean... Somebody asked me today, what do you think of the game? And I said, I'll, you know, I think the Lions will win this football game, but I don't think this is going to be any sort of 35 to 3 game. I think this could be a game that, you know, might be something like 30 to 20, 30 to 23, whatever the case may be. Mm. Um, but I do think the Lions come out on top, and it's not, I, I, there's no way I see this being, um, you know, a, a three touchdown win. I mean, this is a Calgary team that is going to come out with his best effort. And, you know, it's do or die for them. And the other thing, too, Ballsy, that kind of scares me, and I think it scares a lot of people, particularly on the line side, is when you're playing a team that has nothing to lose, there's no expectations, those teams can be dangerous sometimes. Yeah,
0: they're playing with house money. K-Modes, we got uh, a minute left. Out east, uh, Hamilton,
13: Montreal. Who wins and why? I think Hamilton's going to win it. We've got to call for one upset on the road, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I think Matthew, and I'll tell you what, the sooner Matthew Schultz is in that game, the better I like Hamilton's chances. Totally agree. I just think they're they're way... And, you know, it's kind of funny. I heard you had Bubba on the show today, but, you know, I think the people in Hamilton still think they're talking about Bull Levi Mitchell from 2018. This a guy who lost his starting job to Jake Mayer. And it's not like Jake Mayer has lit up the world, right? So, to me, I just look at this game and I just think to myself, if Schultz is in there, uh, I really like Hamilton's chances. And the more playing time he gets the better Hamilton's chances are. This
0: is the lead dog when it comes to play-by-play in this country of CFL football. Bob Marjanovic in B.C. The Modes join him and Julio Caravada after our pregame show here on Saturday on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Have a good call, and the Lions are always my second favorite team, so I'll be cheering for them.
13: Thank you, Ballsy. Love Regina, baby. Next time, can't wait for the smoked old fashions at the Hotel Sask. There you go,
0: man. We'll hang out. Huh? Absolutely. That is Bob Marjanovic, the Moj, uh, from uh, uh, AM 730 in Vancouver, and the BC Lions radio network. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment for Sask Lotteries on 620 CKRM.
2: Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Gage with your host, Michael Ball.
0: Tuesday shows brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We're talking to the outstanding color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers radio network, Bob Stauffer. You also see him in between periods on Sportsnet. Let's get your take on the outdoor classic 20 years after the very first outdoor game was played in the NHL.
5: Well, it's dramatically different, Michael. It's interesting. I did an event uh, Thursday, uh, Friday morning after the Oilers... I didn't have much of a performance against the Rangers Thursday night, but uh, we did an event with Patrick O'Forge, who used to be the CEO of the Edmonton Oilers, and Cal Nichols, the former Oilers, owner of the Edmonton Investors Group, and um, Kevin Lowe and Glenn Anderson were there, and obviously, uh, you know, Glenn played in the uh, alumni game, and Kevin was the gem of the Oilers at the time. Cal owned the Oilers, and it was really Patrick O'Forge and Alan Watts' baby to start the Heritage Classic, and a little-known fact the league didn't think it was a very good idea. But as legend has it, Wayne Gretzky got behind it, and suddenly it was a lot better idea. <laughs> and that happens that happens once in a while. And now, you know, we've got like 30-plus of these events. So it's remarkable how it's changed. The Oilers charged uh, 150 bucks for the first one, and you had to enter a lottery to get tickets. That's how many people wanted to jump aboard it. Now the league they run everything at these events, and I think they charged upwards of around five hundred dollars uh, for a seat in the lower bowl. Wow. The fans came out. The fan the fans were awesome. They uh, obviously uh, you know it was it was it was sold out. Fifty five thousand. It was great to see Commonwealth Stadium at 55,000. It is the largest stadium in Canada. Um, What was also interesting to me, I mean, from the sight lines, I mean, our fans are so knowledgeable in Canada that they can watch a game and not necessarily have to be right on top of the play because Commonwealth's got the the track as well, right, which is Mm an extra layer. From our broadcast perspective, Jack Michaels and myself were right next to Chris Chris Cuthbert and Craig Simpson. Uh, We were right next to the penalty box at that level, and you wouldn't have seen us because you would have seen our backs because everybody had to wear dark. Uh, You weren't supposed to be too flashy. So we were as close to the players as you could possibly be. I know you've done play-by-play. You can certainly appreciate that. And then the uh, the Oilers showed up, and they they had one of their best games of the year. They switched some things around defensively, played with greater urgency, and really dominated the game from start to finish, especially five-on-five.
0: Yeah, no kidding, man. You look at the you look at those standings, and they're already like what? Uh, oh, a, a bucket full of points behind Vegas for first.
5: Yeah, that was not the plan. Um, at some point, Vegas is going to actually lose a game in regulation. I think they're nine zero and one or eight zero and one and something right now. Vegas has got a really good team, and uh, you know the Oilers were right there with Vegas. They, got, they outshot the Golden Knights seventy five to fifty three in games five and six. And they lost those two games and lost the series. The Vegas went on to win the Stanley Cup. And, um, the owners have got some work to do. They did pivot out of, uh, a defensive structure and, and sort of return to a little bit more assertive, uh, you know, 3v3 down low with the wingers up high as opposed to playing mostly zone. I think Evanton looked a lot better, but. That said, they were playing Calgary, and I was a little surprised with how little Calgary bought, uh, to the Heritage Classic, uh, especially to even strengthen that game. So, Everton's got some work to do to, to continue to get the ship, uh, turned right, but a good start. And, uh, and Michael, back in tw- uh, 2003, the Oilers lost 4-3. They were going before the Heritage Classic. They lost 4-3 to, uh, Montreal. The Canadiens got a couple lucky goals. And then Edmonton only scored seven goals in the next five games. And they really never made up the difference the rest of the season. They missed the playoffs by like two or three points that year. The hope is the opposite happens here, where the Orders weren't playing well before the Heritage Classic. They score five goals, they beat the Flames, and now they can maybe take, a,
0: you know, build off that for some positive energy. Yeah, I hope you're right. Hey, listen, though, the Calgary Flames, are they really that bad? They look bad. They looked bad.
5: Um, I was surprised. You know, I got to tell you. I mean, you, Nazem Khadri scored in that game. You know, he's minus 11 on the season. Uh, Jonathan Schuberto was quiet. They've signed those guys long-term. What happens on their defense? I thought Zadorov played well. He's a UFA. Hannifin, there's some belief that maybe those talks have gone a little quiet. Uh, and then where's Tana at at this stage in his career? Like, Calgary could be down three veteran defensemen by the end of the season here, not to mention Elias Lenholm, who's probably their best two-way forward. Uh, so lots of questions in Calgary. Thought they'd bring more juice, and still early in the season, maybe they'll rebound.
0: Hey, i Bob Stauffer joining us here from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. I think that was the 37th outdoor game. I think there are too many. How do you feel?
5: Oh, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it's... But it's a it's a you know it's an event that the league has sort of taken over and you know they can it's you, you know like the teams what what's not known about this is that the the league runs the events the teams don't run the events everything even the pr the pr for that game is run by the National Hockey League it is not run by the expect the the actual pr department so um I, I can see why you would say that. I don't know
0: like it must be it, po- it, mu- I mean, I, it I, must I, be popular right me, it's got to be popular they wouldn't do uh, they wouldn't keep doing them i guess they're hugely popular
5: and they're money makers for the league like make no mistake they're making big money off those games.
0: Mm-hmm. And it presented well on TV. I thought both jerseys I wasn't so excited about till I saw them actually. You were you got to do the absolute eyeball test. When I saw the game on TV I'm like, "Okay, in my HD, that Oilers uniform with those brown pants look, look pretty good." Uh Bob, um the Dallas Stars roll into town here on Thursday. Uh, they're obviously a pretty solid hockey team. What do you make of the Stars this year? I, I I would have said at the start of the year, Vegas, Dallas, Edmonton put them in a blender, Colorado there too. Those would be your top four, I would think.
5: Well, that's going to make for boring radio because uh, I agree on those four teams, but the owner's got to work some work to do to get that place. I mean, Dallas has got Jake Ottinger. He's a really good goalie. Uh, they've added. I mean, they hit the home run in one draft year back in 2017. They got Heishkanen, uh with the top four overall pick that year. Then they got Ottinger late in the first. And then sort of midway through the second, they got Jason Robertson. So, the, you know, that, that's their younger group. That's their younger wave. And then they, that's a market where you can get veteran players to play there and no state tax and everything else in Texas. They are a deep hockey club. They're going to be a tough outcome. Uh, playoff time. Now, the owners need to capitalize. Dallas is in Calgary, Michael on Wednesday night, and then the owners play them on Thursday. You're going to get them on the second of a back-to-back. My guess is they start Wedgwood in Calgary and start Ottinger against the Oilers. That's sort of opposite of the way most people would think. Usually you start your better goalie the first game of a back-to-back, but I think just because of the potential matchups, I wonder whether or not they pivot from that. Uh, It should be a real good... uh, The Oilers got to string together some wins here, and they got to build off that victory on Sunday, and Dallas is going to be a tough... Uh, task on Thursday night.
0: You're an old school guy, so you might not agree. Uh, I'm, I'm actually to the point where I, I wouldn't have a problem with players wearing buckets if you're making millions of dollars. Therefore, there's no chance to get a Brian Berard situation. But if you say, okay, just visors, fine. But I will tell you this right now. you Everybody's got to wear a neck guard after that Adam Johnson thing. And didn't that look like a karate kick to you? Wow. Uh, yeah.
5: I, you know, it was off. It. I, I've seen it It's a tough sequence to watch. You don't want to watch. It's just the the whole situation is brutal. Um, you know, you're, you're always going to give the player involved the benefit of the doubt and think he was just way off balance. Uh, it's, it's crazy. The confluence of events, the OHL of the Quebec league, the players wear the neck guards and the WHL does not at this time. And I think, uh, you know, just a, a horrible, uh, situation outcome, but I, I, I do whether or not, w- uh, wonder whether or not we're gonna see, you know, the game evolves. And I'd have to think, I believe TJ Oshi mm-hmm. is working on a product that would protect the wrists and the neck. And I think we're headed down that path, and it might come sooner rather than later. And it's probably a really good thing. Hey, lastly,
0: uh, you jogged my memory with something I was going to ask earlier, but you're talking about uh, neck and wrists. How about Evander Kane last year? And then I'm watching him here. He's he's now on a bit of a roll. Yeah, he's he's not shy to drop the gloves. And I think to myself, this is a guy that almost uh, had his hockey career go by the wayside because of what happened with Maroon Step. On him.
5: Yeah, uh, and thankfully that outcome was a lot better. It was about as good as it can be. I, I'll give Evander credit; he got he got himself out of an offensive slump by getting back, you know, into the grease of the game and. Gotten a couple scraps in back-to-back games. You know, he fought Brendan Dillon, a former teammate in San Jose, when he they played the Jets. Uh, and then a, a very small thing, a subtle thing, and some of your listeners will pick up on this because they love hockey and they grew up watching the game, but Brandon Duhame was running around, and it's one thing to step up and fight for Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, But it says a lot when you step up and, and, and fight for Derek Ryan. Like, that's a fourth-line guy. Not every player in the league would necessarily do that. And Kane said, that's enough. You're running around being an idiot and taking advantage of some of our players. You're fighting me. And some good things have happened for Vander Kane since that's happened. And I believe in a little. I believe in some cosmic forces once in a while. You know, you can you can use the term hockey gods or whatever. But I think he got himself going by getting more physical. And you can make a strong argument that he was the Oilers' best forward along with Zach Hyman in, in the Heritage Classic.
0: Okay, one last one for your Rolodex of a mind. We haven't. I didn't. I didn't uh, tee you up for this. But if you were to list your top three goalies right now, you mentioned Ottinger, so he popped into my mind. Who are your top three goalies in the NHL right now?
5: Hmm. Uh, I would say Shusterkin. Mm-hmm. I would probably say Connor Hellebuck. He's won a couple mm-hmm. uh Vesna trophies. He's a pretty good goalie. So that's a guy in Winnipeg, a guy with the Rangers, and maybe Sorokin with the uh, with the Islanders. You Both pick straight.
0: Sorokin. Okay, nice. I, I would have gone Ottinger, Hellebuck, and... Uh... Yeah, probably if he's healthy, Vasilevsky. But uh, I could uh, see. Yeah, he's not. He's not playing right now. Yeah. But you're right. So, but so here's the thing: Vasilevsky,
5: Shosturkin, and Sorokin, three Russian netminders. Russians tend not to overcoach their goalies. Is there a lesson in that? that they're allowing their goals anders to to grow and develop their athleticism, then with a little bit of fine-tuning later on instead of, you know, like the others have Skinner, Carter Hart's pretty good young goalie. Those guys both come out of the OR sports school. That's visualization and head placement and uh, economy of movement. But it is interesting that, you know, I don't think anybody has those guys top five. The three Russians definitely are top five. Can
0: we learn from that a bit? That's a great way to end it. Bob Stoffer, Outstanding Color Commentator in the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. Thanks for your time, bud.
2: See ya. Take care, Michael. Have a great week. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. I'm Michael Ball, along with uh, Blaine Weiland from our sports department, covering riders, pats, rams, thunder, you name it. He's got it covered digitally and on the airwaves for us. Does great work, and he's subbing in for Sean Kleisinger, who is off for a couple of days, but he'll be back tomorrow, and then I'm gone for like 20. I don't like Sean. Hey, yeah,, uh, no, I like him. I like Blaine too, so Blaine, let's get to some text for the capital auto group at nine three six six two six two all right, uh, this one's coming from uh
1: sorry, hate this thing sometimes it double skip, yeah, yeah. Uh, going to uh sorry, Eli uh yeah. said. Nah, they we're talking about our free agents before. Yeah. Uh Rough Riders. They need to the clean house. Yeah. Saskatchewan finished dead last. Their players obviously aren't good enough.
0: Eh, I don't know about that. Well they D- didn't finish dead last. They didn't finish dead last and there are some good players on that team. So no, I don't agree with that, Eli, but we welcome your opinion for sure. Uh from Leonard, you look at the
1: players, you determine if they are a liability or an asset before you sign them and return them back to the team on uh, sorry, I gotta yeah. he had one before that and Yeah, he said for For every interception, Nick Marshall, he erased it by not sticking with his receiver, always trying to multitask at the expense of the team, would not bring back
0: Nick Marshall. No, I wouldn't bring him back either. I think that's it. He'd be 32 going into the season. Great athlete, did some great work here, but was a little off kilter. Uh, Blaine, they just released the first. I know we got some good college football fans here, not just uh, north of the border, but south. They just had their first college playoff football rankings. What do you got there?
1: Yes, they released them. A little bit surprised at the top. Ohio State, the Buckeyes, are number one. I had a. Michigan Ahead of Michigan. What? Of course, it doesn't really matter with those two teams because why don't they play them off? You Michigan know. will smoke them.
0: Yeah, I'm cheering for khaki pants, Jim Harbaugh.
1: Kornheiser dressed up as Harbaugh today on PTI. It was Did he? Fun. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Um, number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, okay. No, not too big surprise. Yeah. Number three, Michigan. Yeah. Number four, Florida State. Yeah, it's your team. You're smiling uh, like a butcher's yeah, dog. they got a good path. They got a couple rivalry games, but yeah. they, they have a good... Path and each yeah. chance of that playoff. Washington, the Huskies are number five. Yeah, that's a nice program there. Number six, the Oregon Ducks. Yep. Uh, seven, Texas. Eight, Alabama. Nine, Oklahoma.
0: And rounding out the top ten is Ole Miss. So number. Uh Old Miss was Ken Austin's old school rider in yep. and Steve Sarkeesian is the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, yep. a guy that coaches but couldn't do, couldn't break a pane of glass with a football when he played here. He was he was the quarterback in the three and 1999 team, and then uh, Roy Shivers came in at the end of the Cal Murphy era. All right, let's get to that maestro. Hit the music there. It is Halloween. So here's some uh, holiday related goodies for you. 73% of North Americans plan on celebrating Halloween in some way, with the average person spending 108 bucks. Overall, we're expected in North America to spend 13 billion with the B, mostly on costumes, decorations, and candy. 98% of people who welcome trick or treaters will hand out candies or chocolates. I got as a good German, I got Wagenwheels, wagon wheels. So, anytime I eat those, I'll hand them out. One for them, two for me. Uh, and uh, I already gave you one of mine, a small bag of cheesies. So, there you go. My girlfriend bought granola bars. Like, I'm going to hand out granola bars. Just don't hand out toothbrushes or, like, I had frozen wieners in my bag one time as a kid. Come on, man. In a uh, survey, 85% of parents say their kids start digging into their candy before they get home. The parents get. They're cut for taking you, 10%. And if they don't take you, they get 5% for storage. Remember that, kids. Most people think Halloween is a harmless, fun holiday, but 14% believe Halloween is harmful. They didn't elaborate. That's stupid. 18% of people say they decorate, uh, decorate for Halloween every year. 14% say they decorate most years. Another 14% say some years. Uh, no real decorations for me, although my uh, girlfriend's son, Nathan, and his girlfriend, um... Emily did did pumpkin carving I'm brutal with that, I won't do that But we're going to put out their pumpkins on the step At least I'm told to do that when I get home uh, 34% of parents think 13 or 14 is old enough to trick or treat alone I think that's too old to trick or treat How, how old were you when you were done Trick or treating? Uh, I think it was 12 Here's what I did with my kids they were seven and five. I don't want to do this. It's mostly freezing, although tonight's a nice night. I said, here's 20 bucks for each of you. Let's go to the dollar store. I'll buy you candies, any candies you want. That was our tradition. My kids hate Halloween, and I am so, so happy with it. I am absolutely
7: ecstatic. Over Many children have enjoyed going door-to-door to receive candy treats. It's what they look forward to. But many children are often misled unnecessarily and are not cognizant of the fact their candy bag has been offered something other than sweets. Like fruit, many have returned home crying, asking why. This year, thankfully, your government has decided to step in to help. This year, your government passed the Halloween Fairness Act. Here are the facts. Any residents offering anything nutritional to your child Halloween night will be in violation of this act and subject to arrest. If this is a second offense, the government reserves the right to seize your home and property. Halloween is scary, but cheating trick-or-treaters can be scarier. We are serious about Halloween. We are the League of Halloween Fairness, and we're watching out for your kid. Don't be stupid. This year, give generously, and be sure you give candy.
2: Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chat, from your official voice of the Red Pats, 620 CKRM.
0: Pat Chat, a presentation of the Canadian Brewhouse. Get the best flock and chicken wing special in town with 69-cent wings all day, every Wednesday and Sunday with a feature wing flavor of the month every month and also catch all the NFL action at the Canadian Brew House and a chance for you to win a sports trip of a lifetime for two to the Super Bowl. We're joined by the Pats first-year general manager Al Miller, who I think is on his way to Saskatoon driving hands-free, so that's good. We're not uh, getting him any tickets. Al uh, so far, your thoughts on your team start? It's been—I uh, talked to a few people who are uh, pleasantly surprised with your Regina Pat. Some uh, not season ticket holders, but those that just buy tickets here or there, and they've been happy with uh, watching your team on home ice.
3: Yeah, hey, Baldy, that's uh, that's great to hear. I think that uh, you know our coaches and our players deserve uh, quite a bit of credit for our start. I think uh, our players have really bought into you know, a team identity, which, you know, they have a good understanding of, of what they are, or what they need to do to be competitive, and, and that's to play hard, have good structure, have good details in the game, and uh, they've done that. We've, we've stayed real competitive for the most part, and uh, had some success, and, that's what we'll
0: need to keep doing. Keep doing as we move along here. You know, I uh, hey Connor Bedard. You can't replace Connor Bedard, but I suggested right now, early on, this might be a better team in terms of the word team because a lot of times when you have a guy that great, you see with the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid, sometimes you just uh, you've got that false sense of security that that guy's going to save us all the time. So now you guys really have to work hard to get those points.
3: Yeah, we sure do, and uh, like I said, I, I, I think the guys have really bought into that team identity. I think uh, they've bought into a, a team concept, and you, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, you know when you look at the team last year, and you've got Samozul on the back, Samozle on the back end, and Stutzilev, and, and Bedard, and you know, some Olfen and and you know those guys move on and, and you got a good group of young guys that have kind of grown up together here and they get a fresh start they they get new opportunities uh, they get excited and uh they're they're a tight group they they believe in caring each other um they believe in the logo and and uh being a pat and um you know i can't uh, i can't say enough about the the group of young men that we have uh, playing for us right
0: now. A couple more hockey-related questions for you here, obviously. GM of the Pats, Al Miller, joining us here. Pat Chat for the Canadian Brewhouse. Um, so, Al, I had Bob Stoffer on, the great color commentator on the Oilers Radio Network. We were talking about some of the best goalies in the NHL. Uh, you know, Shrestikin, uh, you have Sorokin, uh, Sorokin and you have uh, Vasilevsky. I had Ottinger in there. Uh, Halibut, obviously. But three of the top five, I think, uh, you could say are Russians. He said... Russians generally uh you know, maybe we can learn from them. We overcoach our goalies here where they don't really get in their goalies heads as much. Do you agree with that? Do we overcoach our goalies in Canada?
3: Well, first of all,
0: Baldi I would say do we really
3: know what they do in Russia with their goalies? I'm not sure we do. Um <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is is that um, you know, when you look at, at over the years here, I think you can put Finland and Sweden into the same category. Um, they've had a real focus on the development of goalies and their federations and hockey programs. Have, you know, like I said, had a lot of emphasis on uh, goalie teaching, uh, goalie development, and, and have produced some, some real good goaltenders. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, exactly overdo it. I, I think, again, it's it's a cyclical thing um, you know I think you know my role with Hockey Canada the National Junior Team over the years you know you had sometimes where we had a bad game or people questioning our goaltenders and then all of a sudden last year you have a Thomas Village pop as a goaltender and get drafted to the NHL and lead us to a gold medal um, so I think for the most part it's cyclical but at the same time you know Ballsy across the board I think We complicate the game at times. I think we can do some over-coaching and over-development. I don't think young players need to play the game 12 months of the year. I don't think they need as much maybe, you you know, uh, you talk about skill development and all those things. Sometimes it's all right to take a break from the game and play soccer or play baseball or play something else it doesn 't have to be
0: that complicated at times, uh, Al Miller joining us here for a couple more seconds. Um, listen, the OHL has neck guards. The QMJHL has neck guards. The WHL doesn 't We saw what happened with Adam Johnson they 're looking into it in a police investigation now to me it didn 't look like an accident. It looked like a karate kick uh, either way it didn 't end great as unfortunately Adam Johnson the 29 year old passes away. Where do you stand on neck guards? I think every hockey player at all levels. Should should wear neck guards including the nhl
3: yeah you know ballsy just uh you know just a terrible terrible accident and, and obviously a terrible outcome for uh, for a young guy 29 years old um i think the whole hockey world is is really taken aback by this um you know as you mentioned the video is disturbing. Um, and you can't think but anything about, you know, his family and, and friends and all that. So, you know, best wishes in, in, in that regard. Um, you know, I know with our national teams, we wore net guards. Um, I know net guards are front and center, ballsy for our league right now in terms of the discussion about uh, wearing net guards and making them mandatory. Um, you know, I think it's something that... Uh, uh, you know, will probably become a reality here. Um, I think across hockey, there's obviously a push right now. Um, you know that British leagues moving forward, neck guards. Uh, the Providence Bruins and the American Hockey League all wore neck guards the other night in a game on the weekend. Um, after the the, the injury, um, we probably are going to run into some some challenges with suppliers. Um, but I believe in a timely fashion here, we, we want to get our players protected and, uh, and get the mid that guards ballsy.
0: Safe travels. Can't wait to have you on again. Good luck to the Pats this week. At home tomorrow to PA Friday. At home to Brandon Saturday, I believe it's in Saskatoon. Hope you have a good and successful week, okay?
3: Great. Thanks, Ballsy. Always appreciate it. Yeah, we'll talk ha-
0: soon. Yeah, have safe travels. A great uh, general manager of the Regina. Pats got his team off to a great start with his coaching staff, too. Surprising great start. Al Miller of your Pat's for the Canadian Brew House. When we come back on the other side, Glenn Suter joins us. Press coverage here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
2: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
6: they are on porches and doorsteps. Ceramic, foam plastic, and rubber-made jack-o-lanterns made from durable polyresins with light bulbs on the inside. Introducing real pumpkins. That's right. Get your kids the real deal. Hand them super sharp carving knives with serrated edges. Cut off the top and scoop out the slimy pumpkin seed guts on newspaper on your kitchen table. Pumpkin rind under your fingernails. Slicing out primitive triangle eyes and lit with a real candle that burns the hole on the lid. Then the whole thing gets moldy and decomposes before Halloween. Real Jack-O-Lanterns, brought to you by Tradition, and brought to you by people who still hand out apples to
10: trick-or-treaters. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success.
2: And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it. Time for press coverage as former Rider Great and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation.
0: Press coverage for Quality Tire, nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Michael Ball here along with the uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, former Rider Great, Glenn Suter. Suits, do you remember your favorite Halloween costume that you wore? <laughs>
12: I was always uh, kind of the homemade thing. Okay. And, uh, so it was never the real flashy store bought stuff. But I do remember a particular Batman outfit that we manufactured that I really loved. Mm. The gadget guy with all the yeah you know all the stuff yeah
0: yeah absolutely. Ma- Mark uh, Mueller was on earlier. He said he was Batman. I was uh, Greg Feeger once. I was a Greg, I dressed dressed up, no, seriously, you'd appreciate this. It was 1981, riders with Papa Joe Ferragheli had to get into the playoffs by beating, I think it was Joe Papau and the BC Lions at Empire Stadium. It was raining there, and it was a little bit of wind and snow and rain here in Regina. It was a miserable night, but we went out and got candies, and I was more concerned. I didn't care if I got a Kit Kat bar or those stupid Tootsie Rolls, or you could have handed me a box of raisins. I didn't care. I wanted to know the score in the BC Lions game and I think it was a Saturday afternoon if I'm not mistaken late Saturday afternoon because it wasn't your typical late start for the uh, for the BC game and the Riders lost and I remember I was so damn mad I went home early nine year old kid I only cared about the CFL I didn't care about candies I went home with half a half a pillowcase so I dressed up as a Greg figure that year
12: yeah, and you know what millions of kids love the CFL like you did as a kid like I did as a kid um, you know, that same Joe Pow Pow that I went and saw when I was in high school became uh, a so close of a friend because we were teammates early in our career. My rookie year, really, he was in Saskatchewan and, and I was babysitting for him and his wife, Dottie, and their young kids. And we became lifelong friends to a point where he was in my wedding party and we played touch football on my wedding day in the morning. Um, but you know, there's millions. I saw the attendance figures out. Mm -hmm. uh, Good news across the board, really. I mean, Calgary's got still some some work to do, but uh, I I think the increase in Toronto is important. The increase in Vancouver. And remember, all but Toronto's total numbers, when you looked at those, and I heard you talk about them earlier today, um, all but Toronto's numbers are more than the average hockey arena holds. So, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to compare them or compare the popularity of the games or anything like that. I just, I just want to keep it always in perspective.
0: Well, but I will say this. Fans don't like me saying this in other markets, but the, the league is a lot better when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are doing well. And kudos to Rider Nation. Now, I know a lot of these season tickets were on a three-year MVP package, and that's expiring. So now, fans renewing will see a higher cost. It's going up 2%, although the Riders have done a good job slashing youth tickets by 50%. But then there's that added 6% PST that the government threw on before or after the MVP packages were sold. You know, the Riders did a good job marketing there. So we may see, coupled with the off sea or on-field Dissatisfaction, so to speak, by the fans. We may see a drop in season tickets, but my point is Rider Nation average almost 28,000, which is 2,000 back of the Bombers, who could easily or very well be in their fourth straight Grey Cup. So kudos to Rider Nation. They do have the best fan base in the CFL. They show it year after year after year.
12: Yes, they do. And that is the challenge for Craig Reynolds and for Jeremy O'Day to quickly hire uh, an excellent head coach. Uh, to continue to give updates on the condition and, and the, you know, sort of the, the physical well-being of, of Trevor Harris and, and, you know, any new off-season free agent signings, things like that. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, there even if season tickets in Regina go down, or in Saskatchewan, I guess I should be saying it that way, um, if, if they go down a little bit, that doesn't change your approach to game day sales and to make sure that you earn those fans back, and, and earn them back with fair pricing, with an excellent product that they're proud of on the field, and uh, there is no question. You know what else jumped off that page for me? Was Edmonton Elks fans. Yeah. 24000 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty good based on what they went through.
0: All right, so Glenn Suter joining us here, press coverage. We only have him for one segment here. Suits, um... Everybody's talking about, and I didn't talk with him about this today because he didn't want to, and that's the pro he is. Mark Mueller wanted to talk about the game, okay? But Mark Mueller, everybody's talking about, oh, Corey Mace, and how about Buck Pierce, and how about, you know, um, Jordan Maximik. I said, well, what about Mark Mueller? He's now what? I I shortchanged him. He's actually going into his, he's in his 10th season in coaching professional football with the same team. He was on the defensive side. He's been uh, on the offensive side. He's now at the quarter, like D backs, running backs, and now quarterback. He's covered it all except for special teams. And then people say, "Well, he's 34 years old. He's too young, really." Because Sean McVay, nobody seemed to think he was too young. There's a lot of young coaches in the NFL. What you know? I think Mark Mueller, Woody, Woody. yeah, Mark, Mark Mueller, yeah, didn't we? Mark Mueller should be on the radar.
12: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he'd be a fantastic candidate. I, I think. There are a lot of the names you just mentioned, and then some names that maybe have more fanfare with them. But, uh, boy, I, I really hope that Ryder Brass is not going to hire a guy because he's got the biggest name. Um, and that's not to, you know, to throw any water on the fire for some of those guys like the Henry Burrises and the Scott Milenoviches of the world because, you know, they've earned those names and that reputation. and And that gets you in the door. But what's most important now is the interview process, and to have a real clear vision of what you want in your next head coach. What type of guy do you want to build the correct culture where no matter where your talent level is in any particular week, because as you know, Michael, that goes up and down depending on the injury list. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you look at skill. It's up to Jeremy O'Day, and he has to take this challenge on full board to find better uh, depth in their roster not you know they have a lot of good starters on that team I heard you guys talking about free agents I haven't got my list yet by the way so don't get... yeah <laughs> but um but but you know there are a lot of really good football players in the Riders what's what I think was missing was the guy behind them who you know who was going to fill in if an injury or if you have a guy that was playing below standards and you need to make a change there who was coming in off your practice roster and was ready to play. that That's Jeremy O'Day's job. And, you know, bring those players in, have depth, um, and make sure that nobody can can glide for three or four games.
0: So uh, I'm done after today right through the Grey Cup. i got to burn off some holidays. This will be the last time you and I talk with regards to this on the air. Um I don't like the narrative and no disrespect to Clint Bubba O'Neill. He was on from the tiger cats audio network, but I haven't just heard it from him. I've heard it from other media types on Twitter, uh, mainly on social media, X, Twitter X, whatever the hell you call it now. Um, the Calgary Stampeders and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I call BS on that. Listen, if you put your body on the line and you're coming to the park every day and working hard, you deserve, damn rights. whether you've won six or ten games, you deserve to be in the playoffs. And one game, that's the beauty of football. All it takes is one game and you never know what can happen. I, I fully expect BC to win. But Calgary's coming in there. They got a chip on their shoulder. Nobody. They're playing with house money. They had their season end there last year at the hands of the Lions. And they can draw on the fact, even if BC was playing half-heartedly in that game against Calgary, they went in there and they smacked the Lions around a couple of weeks ago.
12: Yeah, you, you can win on any given day. And I I would I would suggest that all those people that are creating that narrative, make sure you pay attention for when... In the NFL, a team has an inferior record and makes the playoffs because of their system. Or, you know, the, the other leagues in professional sports around the world that have a very similar, you know, scenario where that one Cinderella team will be in. Somehow they got in, the math worked. You know, it was, it was really weird the way it happened for Saskatchewan this year, how they kind of let it slip through their fingers through maybe four or five weeks almost where they could have really nailed it down and and just couldn't get it done. So, you know, this is the opportunity for the Cinderella team in Calgary to come in and and surprise the Lions. Now, you know, I, I can make an argument for areas of the game that Calgary's better. They're better running the ball on offense. Calgary's better there. They're better at stopping the run on defense than the BC Lions have been in the back half of the season. The Lions have a much more dynamic and big play receiving core. So they win there, you know, and they have the best defensive player in Matthew Betts this year in their lineup. But the best run stopping defense is probably Calgary well, with Cameron and, judge and Mike Alway.
0: And Calgary might have the best tandem at corner in Trey Roberson and, and, uh, Moxie.
12: Yeah. I mean, you know, Gary Peters has had a good year. Yes. Yeah, uh, Cancel one of those guys, but, but I'm, I'm with you. and, and You know, I I think the, you know, when you break down the game and you're talking about pro athletes, it's it's kind of like this, Michael, and I've used this analogy, so I apologize to the listeners if they've heard me say this before. But, you know, in your beer league hockey team, how many times have you come out of the locker room with your full roster and looked across at the other bench and thought, oh, they only have three spares. We are going to kick their butt they only have three guys they're they're going to be so drained that we were going to we are going to but it was it was the right three spares and the right guys that made it and you get waxed because you think yeah you're just going to show up and win when you look at the other team and say oh they're not good enough that's that is a trap that'll catch you every time
0: Glenn I'm done but you'll be on next with Blaine and Sean later in the week uh, enjoy the uh, playoffs this weekend okay
12: Well, have a great, well-deserved holiday, and uh, you know, enjoy. I think we're going to have a great playoff run, Michael.
0: I'll be enjoying it for sure. Thanks for your time, Glenn Suter. That is Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire. We'll be back to wrap up with a young up-and-coming football player, his brother's actually on the BC lines on the practice roster. This will be Reese Cack to wrap up the show from the Saskatoon Hilltops on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.